0: He's, he needs to fight Magneto or Wesker or She-Hulk. Because that dorm with the Magneto assist, it is, it is crazy, man. You should, Trying to get over you should the start Dante. Carpet. Yeah, or, or even start Dante. Oh,
1: and the fool just unplugged the, X, the PS3.
2: Why would you do that? What is wrong with...
3: Wow! Are you serious? Wow! I'm taking my PS3 and going the f home. Yo, oh, ass. yo, oh, yo! Yo,
4: he said sorry, man. It's over. Gun- Damn. Hey, Damn.
2: this
4: game is over.
2: Damn. Yo, it's like oh my god.
4: Where's Biggie? Where's E?
2: Whoa!
3: Whoa!
4: The momentum has been shot. Momentum oh. has been shot. I wanna go home now.
2: Yo. I, don't, I, feel, I
4: don't feel safe. I don't feel so safe. Yo. I don't feel so safe. What? That was hostile. Everybody Yo. just, just gasped.
2: He just snatched the power cord out the back.
4: He didn't even he didn't even turn the power no. off. He just unplugged, he the, unplugged the cord. it. He unplugged it. Gimme that Wow, summer 5. Damn!
1: Alright, everyone, Uh, welcome back. This is episode 98 of Gundam and MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joined with me always is Chris and Solbro. Guys, say hello. Hey! Hi! (laughs) I guess the drag queen's back. (laughs) The drag queen that's going as uh, 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 adult DK?
4: Hi. I got your Gundam age fixed. These heels are killing me. Freaking uh, DK, the uh graduate from the Soul Ro Ryu Academy
1: of yeah, Men. We've, we've never seen this before. It's uh definitely never you know, we'll see it again. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> so um Alright, well in this episode uh, we're going to have two segments and the first one here is going to be, uh, we're going to have a guest and I would imagine a lot of people know him, he's uh, kind of uh, famous in YouTube if you can be famous in YouTube I guess, Oh boy. Uh, especially in the anime scene and it's uh, uh, Brent Newell from Anime no Otaku and we're going to be speaking with him about one of his uh, video reviews that he did about... (sighs) Destiny, got him. To see Destiny. <laughs> so um, we'll be talking with him, and um, I, I got to. Uh, I'm sure that it's going to be a better discussion than uh, you know speaking with Japhy because.
0: Uh, oh. He oh, doesn't. Oh. He
1: doesn't seem like an idiot. But. Uh, <laughs> but in, in, oh damn. So we'll we'll definitely be uh, doing that. Next segment is uh, actually. You know what? I think we should just crown this as a new a new series, Chris. Nostalgia theater with SBR hey, because Soulbro is going to be taking us down to one of his favorites again. We're going to be discussing the uh, the movie of anime shorts called uh, Robot Carnival. So. I can picture
0: in my head. Picture this, if you will, Soulbro oh, okay. wearing um, a smoking jacket, <laughs> sitting in a
1: like in a leather
0: a leather chair in a room with like dark oak paneling by a fireplace, mm-hmm. and he puts a pipe in his mouth. He's like. Let me show you some nostalgia theatre.
4: Let I'm me take sobro a... <laughs> Let us take a trip down the memory lane. <laughs> As I put on my ascot.
0: <laughs> yes. The, and I have this picture in my head and, and do you have this picture too?
4: Yes, I do. You I, this? Yes. And my my, my, nostalgia, my nostalgia glasses are Maximilian Genius Blue. <laughs> Sweet. You're the only man
0: that's
1: not only has nostalgia glasses but nostalgia LASIK too. too. <laughs> Because you weren't confident that you were seeing n- enough nostalgia clear enough. So. Just, just
4: came from the operation. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: So, uh, yes. That, I guess that'll be an a unofficial, official new segment. Nostalgia Theater with Soul Pro Ryu. Hell yes. yes. I'm already there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's ready to go. You're
0: always there.
1: He's, uh, <laughs> my God. I, I, he's always mentioned Robot Carnival.
4: I think a billion times a billion yeah. times, yeah. A yeah.
0: Billion <laughs> times.
4: And, and now we're covering it that's it's it's about time it's about and time. We never well,
0: have to mention it again <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then it's, after that memories
1: <laughs> and uh and, and speaking of soul bro obsessions mm-hmm. uh i i have to bring up something that um was oh, actually no. brought up to me and I find it kind of hilarious. I, I guess this is when um, when uh, the internets and when um, technology goes awry because sometimes you probably shouldn't be saying what you're thinking or doing what you're wanting. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this is from the old SBR Twitter page. find it a little funny here.
4: Oh, are you, you scoping my Twitter? Oh, so, boy. I've been told about it. Oh,
1: shit. Well, I, I, was, I, I was told, like, you can't believe this shit that's on this man's Twitter. Oh, boy. Go ahead. March 5th. I don't know how to feel
4: about this one. Still waiting
1: at Best Buy for my game. I must be the only cat in line for hashtag SFXT, which I guess is Street Fighter X Tekken. Mm -hmm. The remaining horde here is for hashtag Mass Effect 3. Solve this (laughs) coming. Once again, this is Captain Obvious here. (laughs) the only person... When like the biggest game of 2012 to date has has launched, you were the only person there doing this. I I I have to know. <laughs> yo, yo, let's, wow. Let's, let's deconstruct. Wow. What, what what Best Buy was this? Was it, It's in Orlando, I would imagine. But it, is water- it the one
4: by your house? It's the one by my house. Yes, by
1: Waterford Lakes. So that's uh-huh. that's a pretty decent size one. There. How many yep. people were in line there?
4: I would say about, I guess about 30. (laughs) (laughs) And how many were there for
1: (laughs) Mass Effect?
4: (laughs) Probably about 29. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how many
1: weird and, and bizarre looks and comments were made to you when they said... Yeah, I can't wait. I, I don't know anything about Mass Effect. I never played, so bear with me, people. Like, you know, John Smith. What do you think John Smith's going to do to save the world? I, I don't know if that's his name. I'm just using it as an example, never. but whatever. Mm-hmm. And and you're like, no, I'm here for Street Fighter X Tekken. Mm-hmm. What'd they say?
4: They, they, they didn't even know what's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they they looked at you dismissively. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you look at it, (laughs) if you look at it on television, there were no commercials for Street Fighter Cross second until after the game came out. Uh, In comparison, Mass Effect was all over TV. No matter where you went, you saw a commercial for that. And um, Mass Effect, let's be obvious, has more players. Marketing? Not only that, but Mass Effect has more people playing that. I mean, let's be obvious. It'd be the same situation if I was standing in line for a fighting game and everybody else was there for Madden or everybody else was there for Call of Duty. You know, it's a mainstream game that everybody's going to go and pick up. Me, well, I, I'm, next, I, I've been like I question, said, I've been playing. Uh huh.
1: My next question is: uh-huh. Do you Jones fighting games so much that you would actually sit there and fight crowds while another big game is going on? I was just fighting crowds.
4: That. I was standing in line and my game was you... paid.
1: <laughs> it's, I, 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 was... Just, I, I just find it funny. I mean, you couldn't pick it up the next day.
4: Dude, you stood in line for a Final Fantasy game, so I don't even want to hear it.
1: That's Final Fantasy.
4: <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh... <laughs> damn. Yeah, so, You're uh, yeah, like, damn straight, man. I've been playing fighting games for 22 oh, years. There we go. 22 doing... years. Why would you not expect me to go to a midnight launch to go pick up the game? Why, why, I, see... you, I, I don't understand that. It's. It, I've been I've been to I've been, been playing funny for, games since been, when your I've, grandfather was in I, diapers. I've been I've been to midnight launches for movies, midnight launches for music and and albums, and midnight launches for games. I don't see this as being any different. If it's something I really want to get, I might as well pick it up the night uh, right after I get off work. I can just drive up the street and go pick it up and, no. instead of having to go there in the morning where everybody else is there. You know, I'm just gonna go in, get my game, and get the f- out. So I, I'm 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 cool with it. <laughs> you know, I, is funny. I funny. find <laughs> funny. I just
1: find this hilarious Everybody, that of all of, of, um, of, all of, of you know, because I, I wouldn't have gone to the, one of those things at for Mass Effect, God, it's probably it was probably a, a, a pain to go to one of those things. I was in and out but, in five minutes. But, <laughs> this is hilarious.
4: I stood oh. in line for 10 minutes, and I when we started going in, it took five minutes for me to get my game because mine was prepaid and I was out the door. It was, they, they was, they were very organized. And up the street, right around the corner, in the same shopping center, there was a huge crowd there for Mass Effect at, uh, at GameStop. And they had a street fighter cross Tekken tournament at that GameStop, uh, also. So there were a numerous amount of people so there waiting for the you game went too. To the wrong place. I guess I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it 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 wasn't. I, I'm sure it didn't sell nearly as well as Mass Effect. But I think it, that's a given. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I don't think Capcom had that much because I mean you would think if it why would you release it on the same day? But that's neither here nor there. But it,
4: it happens all the time, and the same thing happened during Ultimate Marvel. And the same thing happened with numerous other games. I can count how many What are you going to do in times? two
1: months when you get Ultimate Street Fighter X Tekken?
4: Oh Jesus, uh, that, that's a whole another bu- debacle. Actually, I was on. <laughs> I was actually on. um And, and props to AkariCast. I was on AkariCast last night, and we talked about the fighting game scene. <laughs> And um, just to the let you guys is know, what, I don't know what it is. What is this? A, it's a podcast. I've been on there before. They talk about oh, okay. and they talk about all sorts of uh, fandom, whether it be anime, yeah. video games, whatnot. And um, they had me on last night to talk about some of the events in the fighting game community. And there's a big debacle, not only about um, so I guess uh, lately companies have been putting DLC on the disc. And Mass Effect did this. They've been doing that since the
0: beginning. They've
4: been doing it for a long time. Uh But um, Capcom caught mad flack for putting – there's an additional 12 characters or or 10 characters depending on what console you're playing it on for Street Fighter Cross Tekken. On the disc already, and they won't be unlocked until after the PlayStation Vita version of the game comes out in the fall. And they're going to cost $20 extra. And better but yet, they, they're they on that the with 360 disc. Oh, yeah. Even
0: though those characters are supposed to be Sony exclusive.
4: Yeah, well, uh, that's what they say. But so, <laughs> so we're, so we're Pac-Man and, um, they were, they already, already hinted that they were going to be coming onto that system. They just said right now they're Sony exclusive. The ones that are definitely Sony exclusive are the three Sony-based characters, which are those oh, two same. cats and, and, and Cole. You won't find those on the Xbox 360 edition, but, um, there's hacked versions of the game, and we know somebody who has a hacked version of the game. And I went over to his house to play it, and I was able to play with all those extra characters. and And, and it and it peeve me a little bit the fact that. Well, aren't you, Mister Fucking
0: desk. Fancy Pants? Hey,
4: but if you if you guys want to listen to that episode, it's uh episode ten um of season four of Akari cast and i'm sure it'll be up before this episode of uh, gundam i'll have more details at I, the end of the show for that
1: i i bet you, I, the best way to show capcom that you mean business on this one Soulbro, uh-huh. is mm-hmm. to
4: buy it is to continue <laughs> to buy everything
0: yes
1: because <laughs> i mean oh, you know, that, that, that is the best way to show them that you know you're unhappy Ooh. with their business model that they're doing at this point that you know yeah. It should be. I'm just gonna
4: buy it, just like all the
1: people with Star Wars. I hate Lucas, but I'm gonna buy those Blu-rays. I,
4: I, with the the debacle over the DLC on on this game is not as big as what people bitched about Mass Effect, where there's a, a like a an actual crucial story arc line in that game that you have to buy through $10 DLC in that game, and if you ever want experience experience it. So anyway, uh, I could go on all day about this.
0: But, let's get this uh, damn
4: show moving. Let, let's let let's get moving. I just had to. <laughs>
0: I, just, I, got, I got booze I, I want to drink today. I just Ooh, find six. it funny
1: when it comes to technology at oh, times. Boy. But well, now some news. And this is all <laughs> of the from the Neo's Listener Submitted News articles thread in the Gundam section of the MechaTalk forum. So the first one here is uh, from FlameX. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I guess people wanted this person's character to die, just not the voice actor. But this is some dead people news. Oh no! Um, remember, uh, remember Lady Yun, everybody's favorite um, uh, bespeckled uh, what C word? Yeah. In and, uh, and Gundam Wing. Mhm. Uh, well, her voice actor in, in Japan died. Um, oh. What's her name? Uh, voice actor Nobuyuki Kobashi. So she she died, and uh, she she's known for doing. Uh, um, Lady Un in um, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. Uh, she also did the Simpsons Japanese dub for Itchy and Maud Flanders. Uh, she was in uh, Shin Chan, Gal Geiger, and she was Twilight Suzuka in Outlaw Star. So, uh, oh wow! It's always it's always sad things when people die. And thank you, Flame X, for your submission there. And the next one here comes from Wielder, and this is, uh, there's a life-sized VF25 in a stage musical that's going to celebrate 30 years of Macross. So there's uh, the the 30th anniversary project on the the website announced that a 1-1 scale model of the uh, VF25F Messiah Valkyrie, is uh, going to appear uh, in an a, a exposition. Sorry, can't speak today. Uh, from April 28th to May 6th, and there's also going to be a real-life Miss Macross 30 contest and a stage musical with new material and a museum displaying the franchise's designs. Oh too. shit! So uh, uh, it's going to be about six-dollar fee to go um, to go visit this. And, uh, you know, regular tickets go on sale March 17th, which is today. And, um, you know, there's some commemorative stuff that you get with that, too. So if you have uh, an opportunity in Japan to check that out and you like the old Macross, definitely uh, check it out there. So... Uh, Thank you, uh, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. And uh, this one is coming from, uh, this is kind of appropriate, I would have to say, from uh, Nasty Nate. Um, not only because um, Solbro mentioned the, the PS Vita, but uh, later on in this episode, we're going to be speaking about Gundam Wing Destiny. Um, Namco Bandai said that they're going to release a PlayStation Vita Gundam Seed Battle Destiny on June 7th, so uh, I'm sure everybody can't wait to get that. Uh, Chris, are you pre-ordering that, I would imagine? Um, <laughs> okay. So, are you pre-ordering
0: uh, it for the system that I don't have?
1: <laughs> uh, well, you have time to buy it. June's a couple months away, so it's not that. You know. Or maybe you could get a, um, a PS Vita version with you know with your favorite Destiny characters on it. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe oh, they'll sweet. have that as a bundle. I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission. And another submission by Nasty Nate is there's going to be, um, in more game news, Namco Bandai is readying a free Gundam Online game on the PS3. So there's, they have Gundam UC out right now, but there's going to be um, another Gundam game that's going to be announced for the PS3. Um, so... Uh, there's, well, it's uh, been announced. Well, yeah, Gundam Battle Operation an online game that will be released in late June. So, man, you, you got Gundam Sea Destiny at the beginning. Then in late June, you got Battle Operation, which from the screenshots looks like an upgraded um,
4: mobile Ops. Mobile Ops. Uh, yeah. yeah. The
1: irony of, of the <laughs> classic. The,
0: the, of, the irony. That the system Ooh. Solbro bought to play uh-huh. this game that he wants. Oh yeah. That the yeah. actual like real deal of this is coming on the system that he didn't get until later on and mm-hmm. hardly uses.
4: Oh yeah. And and, and now and and now I, I I trust me when I watched that video, it the irony hit me like a brick. <laughs>
0: it's like you oh, know it's, it, when I was watching man. that video and I saw like these dudes running around with jet packs and flying on Wappas and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I was thinking of you that whole time and oh, laughing
4: at you. No doubt. <laughs>
0: I was laughing at you.
4: And I thought of you laughing at me.
0: Yes.
4: <laughs>
0: Inception. I thought, oh, I thought, oh, the irony. It's
1: amazing, actually.
0: Oh, yes. man.
1: So, um, But, uh, yeah.
0: It looks good. And, hey, it's free. It's so um, I'm sure there'll be, like, crap to buy in-game. But uh, as long as it's free and you got a Japanese account, go download that sucker and uh, be sure to shoot Soul Bro. <laughs> He'll probably be the sucker in, in a wappa trying to uh Oh yeah. <laughs> trying to beat up a gundam. <laughs> you should step on him or right, shoot him with your Vulcans.
4: My guy would look like Cuddy from the wire. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, that's a, that's exciting stuff. And uh thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission. And the uh, last one here is from Dallo, And uh, this this is actually pretty interesting. There's a um he's got a link here and you can take it out and go to the link and uh, there is actually an RX-78-2 made of flowers that's awesome the the irony that a flower which is a symbol of peace would be uh, the component (laughs) to make a weapon of mass destruction so um
0: there's also a link to that on MHQ's Twitter feed if you want to find it there, too.
1: And there's also a link on MHQ's Twitter feed, too. Thank you, Chris, for your hor- uh, shameless promotion. Hey, so. I,
0: tweeted, I tweeted it before Dalla posted about it, so so there you go.
1: I think you guys need to settle this, because I'm going by Dalla.
0: If you, well, want, to to, to if you want to get reaction.
1: credit for it, you know where to post.
0: Or maybe you should be checking the MHQ Twitter feed more often.
1: You know I don't do this until five minutes before the thing. Because- <laughs>
0: How would I be prepared? I wasn't I'm, talking. Saying, I'm, I'm saying scared. that perhaps your journalism is shoddy. Oh, man. Twitter, what's that? Ill- huh? Ill-informed.
4: What is Twitter? <laughs> is that what birds do? Even Larry King uses Twitter. King's things. <laughs> yeah. Larry King's assistant. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Pretending uh, to be him. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Mr. Dolo, for your uh, submission, and thank you, everyone, for your submissions. And if you have any Um, news articles that you think would be appropriate uh, definitely put them in the news listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam Gundam section of the Talk forum so um, guys anything before um, we go into our first topic here about whatever that show
4: I can't wait to talk to Brent from uh, Otaku no video man I can't wait to get into, into that Destiny discussion man the anime that may not that shall not be named let's do it let's do it
1: uh, Chris, anything? No. Um, are you taking your painkillers now? <laughs> <laughs> Take heavily before you, you you go into this. Uh... <laughs> well, if that if that's it, we'll be going into our first segment here. You're listening to Gundam at Mahq.
2: A stupid mother to get fired on your day off.
3: And just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Bulma Brief from Dragon Ball Z is such a uh, tease. Anime. You're gonna go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts! But you're not gonna let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old The man can't die till he gets laid Let the man rest In peace All I gotta say is Master Roshi's sperm count Is over 9,000 Podcast Don't miss a moment Tune in at AAApodcast.com And iTunes
4: Check it out Gun Damn Nation One of our longtime listeners, Eric Keith, has a new project on the horizon that he needs your help on.
3: On the call-in show, I at the end, I plugged a webcomic I'm going to be working on, or I actually am working on now, where I'm the writer, and a gentleman named uh, Michael is going to be the the artist. Well, in this webcomic, it is going to be based on the Dreamcast Gundam game called 0079 Side Story, Rise from the Ashes. If you've never heard of it before, it was a really awesome first-person Gundam simulator where you played a a member of the MS team White Dingoes in Australia, near where the uh, initial colony that Zeon dropped had landed, and where Zeon, of course, had taken over. And you lead a small ragtag team of of MS pilots, and you fight against Dom, Zaku's, a Goff shows up, and uh, at the end you fight some redonkulously overpowered... Xeon tank called the Rhino, which was designed before the thing from Igloo, Ms. Igloo. The comic's going to be based on that game, and what I'm going to be doing is getting a group of people together that are fans of what the comic is about, and stick them in the background, and have them be, you know, not main characters, like you may not even have a speaking part, but what I want to do is I want to take you guys from the Facebook group, and from Mecha Talk, and if you're interested, I'll have my email address uh, down below send me a, a headshot of yourself and when we start working on the comic and releasing it in about a year and you just might actually see yourself in the background
4: you heard right if you'd like to be a character in the background of this new manga project definitely head on over to youtube.com slash channel 609 that's literally channel s-i-x-o-n-i-n-e and view the entire rise from the ashes video where Eric explains the whole concept. If you want to reach him by email, send him a message to erictkeith at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see the artwork of the um, artist involved, Mike Fontecchio, visit his DeviantArt account at mr-hayami, h-a-y-a-m-i, dot deviantart.com. We wish Eric and Mike the best of luck with this project, and we can't wait to see how it turns out.
3: Thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys later on. Bye.
2: I'll be damned if I'm gonna clean up this mess!
3: (laughs)
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and in this segment we're joined by a special guest, Brent Newhall. He uh, has the YouTube video series, Otaku No Video. Say hello, Brent.
2: Hello, very glad to be here.
0: uh, If if you uh, aren't familiar with that YouTube video series, maybe you're familiar with some comments we made about it a few episodes back in a response to mailbag question. Brent did a video about um, fan reactions to that series, which shall not be named, but has to for this segment. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that is uh, Gundam Seed Destiny, and uh, it definitely was, I would say, a a controversial video, to say the least. It (laughs) certainly was. So, a while back, uh, Brent emailed me saying that uh, he's a fan of the show and that uh, he wanted to... Uh, Maybe join us and uh, discuss the video and um, explain his positions a bit. So here we all are. So um, I guess as an introductory question before we get into the points, um, you've done a lot of anime reviews. What made you want to do this specific uh, discussion of fan thoughts on Destiny?
2: Well, it's funny. I mean that video has turned out to be probably one of my most most popular and also kind of the least like all the other videos I've done because I've basically been working my way through all the different uh, Gundam series, starting with original, you know, first Gundam, going all the way through. Um, And I got to see Destiny and I started writing up my thoughts on it and uh, it seemed like that was kind of the elephant in the room, that a lot of folks had had these very strong reactions against See Destiny and (laughs) unfortunately folks had been... Uh, advising me that oh all of your views are very calm and rational and normal and why do not just get spirited about something so I decided to get spirited about something and uh, made that video and uh, unfortunately I've since realized I kind of um, really misinterpreted or, or misrepresented some of the things I wanted to say in there and just didn't come across very well um, but the idea was really just to sort of address those things that I, I thought people had um, Maybe, you know, approach see Destiny from um, uh, some misunderstandings of what it was and was trying to uh, to accomplish, and I wanted to address that. Okay, and yeah, Destiny is always the, the
0: elephant in any room when it comes to Gundam. We had <laughs> mm-hmm. the same issue when years ago we did the, the Gundam roundup, and eventually we hit Destiny.
4: Oh boy, mm-hmm. did we. <laughs> that, was,
0: that was quite the discussion. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, you definitely got a lot of comments about it. I oh, saw yeah. some comments on, on 4chan, and you had a response video that was made by the anime overviewer. Yeah. So what, what did you think about that response video?
2: Um, I watched a little bit of it, and then, Frank, uh, t- to be honest, I really don't follow most of the, the stuff on YouTube. Um, because most of them were, were just... Um, not really worth my time. Um, and the anime overviewer was, uh, um, I mean, I think he misunderstood what I was trying to do in the video as well, and um, I just, you know, it, 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 it seemed like it was one of those things where it, with like with a lot of Sea Destiny, there's a lot of, of this view that, you know, I didn't like it, and I believe this, and thus you're wrong. And, you know, I can understand not liking it. I, I totally understand not liking it. Um, but there was just, you know, there's a lot of this just um, this kind of... I don't know, not appreciating the, um, what the show is trying to accomplish.
0: Now, before we get into um, our point-by-point, point, um, yeah. we all know that YouTube comments are the scum of the universe. Kind of. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> followed closely by newspaper comment sections. And, mm-hmm. and, st- and
4: stream monsters. So
0: um, <laughs> what, uh, what what were some of the, the choice comments you had on your video that you would I say
2: were among not, the worst? I could not care less. Um, to be honest... <laughs> Um, I, I read every comment that comes in on my channel, except for the Sea Destiny comments, because they got so vile. Um, <laughs> wow! You know, pe- people just got so nasty about it that I was just like, you know, at this point, and you know, YouTube comments are r- not really designed for intelligent commentary. Um, so I, just I don't think got, they ever were. <laughs> no, they, they never were. So <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, how much are you going to be able to say in 300 words. The other funny thing is at the end of the video, I said, "Now, you know, I'm trying to say things about." This and trying to come up with sort of cogent cogent arguments. Um, If you're going to leave a comment, please leave a cogent argument. And most of the comments were, you're wrong because you suck because you're wrong because the show sucks because you're wrong. Okay, fine. So, whatever.
0: Well, we're going to try to have a a better discussion here. And I will say... Just to get this out of the way, at least as how it's represented presented in the video, yeah. I disagree with every single word in okay. that video, but not because you're stupid or smelly <laughs> yeah. or any of that stuff. So oh, That's fine. I think, uh, in that respect, we're going to do fine. Okay, so sure. let me start by laying out my, uh, my first point, and then we can okay. get into that. Uh, sure. One of the main thrusts I found in the video was this discussion of whether Shin is the main character or not. And... Mm. I've seen a lot of this recently, and I'm not going to attack you as the messenger of this because okay, it's sure. not just you, but there seems to be quite a bit of revisionist history with this um, argument. Mm-hmm. And obviously one of the knocks against Destiny is that you know, partway through that uh, Kira stole the show from right. Shin and he got sent to the background. Mm-hmm. So the argument that I see is that, well, Shin was never meant to be the main character, therefore mm-hmm. that attack doesn't work, therefore the show isn't bad.
2: Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll first off, I'll say this. Um, I, I don't really think in terms of good and bad for a show, um, and I'm not going to try to say that C Destiny" is good or bad. You know, that's really personal opinion, um, and I'm totally cool with folks hating it. That's that's fine. Um, and I I'll, I I gotta say that though, when, when I was first watching "Sea Destiny," uh, and I got through those first three episodes, honestly, at that point, I I mean. Shin is certainly the main character. They're, 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 and he's certainly the central character. Um, I don't think he was meant to be the hero, and that's where I think things go. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I think I, I, mis- my, I misrepresented that in the video, uh, and I, I just used terms that, that were too confusing. Um, because for me, you know, Shin comes in. He's he's currently he's certainly piloting the big new Gundam. That's awesome. But most of the time spent in the first couple episodes is with characters from the previous series. So I was seeing Shin as, again, like I said, certainly a, a, a central new character, but he, he didn't seem to be, to me, to be, um, uh, uh, well, I'll put it this way. Um, Kira certainly did come in to be a major part of the series, but because so much time is spent with the previous characters, I wasn't surprised that they were a central part of the show as well. I'll put it that way.
0: Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what then makes you think that Shin is a main character, but not the hero of the story?
2: Well, because when you first see him, um obviously there's the uh uh you know uh rather unfortunate situation with his parents and his sister, um which they do kind of uh uh come back to every so often in the show. Um <laughs> well, more than every so often in the show. Yeah, little I mean
0: obsessive. every
2: episode maybe, I don't know. Yeah, touching
0: um, the cell phone. Um, that I was about to
4: say
2: creepy. That was really freaking creepy. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, it's like um, subtle much. Anyway, um, you, you, uh, so, so you, you see that, and then I mean, my first indication was the fact that when you see him for the first couple episodes, he's kind of a jerk most of the time, mm-hmm. um, and he's not a jerk in the way that, say, Camille is, you know, constantly bouncing off the walls. Um, Camille has this very strong sense of morality and ethics and he really knows what he believes in and, and that, that's, that's um, shown very well. You know, judo can be really hard to deal with but, but for some people um, but he has this, this strong moral code whereas Shin's kind of a twerp um, <laughs> and, and he's presented that way and, and I appreciate that. And it, it's one of the things that I think was kind of bold from Sea Destiny yeah. was having this central character who is kind of unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's definitely end.
0: something we've we've yeah. seen before, not just in Gundam, but you know, outside. Like you look at, say, Adeon Cosmo <laughs> oh, is yeah. basically an asshole. He's completely <laughs> unlikable. He is such a jerk to everyone. And or you look at uh, Macross Seven, uh, Basara. He's uh, you know, he's kind of a jerk to a lot of people. Completely disrespectful of military authority. Always out there doing his own thing. So well, you know, I, maybe I it's a little been. new in Gundam to have a character like him, and that's sort yeah. of what. I found it a bit appealing at the beginning, at least.
2: Right, and that, that, that's certainly true. And I mean, you know, Cosmo's a little different because he's he's a little more unformed in his opinions. You know, he'll kind of go along with things. He's something of a jerk. I was just rewatching watching uh, the second Idion movie last night, and I was struck by the fact that he's like the last person to awaken because he is this kind of you know, asshole for so much of it, um, which, you know, fine. Um, but yeah, so, so they, they were trying to do that with, with, uh, Shin. And then the fact, I was actually rewatching Sea Destiny, um, uh, a while ago for, for that review or for the, for that video. And when he comes, um, uh, you know, there, there's that episode that, that scene where, um, Kogoli and Arthur and, and the rest are coming into, in, into the Bay. And, um, I forget how they, they pronounce him in the English version. Um, uh, Durandal. Anyway, uh, Doolandal engages that little thing to basically have Shin over here. Oh my gosh, it's Cogli. Um And Shin goes off and just rants for like five minutes. It's hilarious um, because you know, he thinks he knows everything about the world. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting because it, it showed that they were, they were setting up Shin as this young guy who's kind of a, a, a punk who thinks he understands all of what's going on, but he clearly doesn't. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Well, definitely the thing about him is that, uh, from that very opening scene, he sees his family massacred in front yeah. of him. And the lesson that he takes away from that is that, and that you see him saying over and over again in the series is basically that might makes right. That you need, right. you need power to protect people and you need to have all of this power to do all of these things. And of course, even though he's in the military, He's still a stupid sixteen-year-old kid, as are most of the other naive protagonists in a lot of the
2: Gundam shows. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So I I, I think, like I said, I I think they were they were going for a specific something with Shin, um, and they they were positioning him as as this character who was um, who who is really what you know kind of where they were going later on. You can see Shin is the young upstart who kind of bounces off the other characters to formulate that, that, that final opinion or that sort of growing opinion about the you know conflict and war and growth and destiny and all those things. Um, so you know, I, I think that, that was his purpose. But I, I think people saw Shin and sh- saw Shin as piling the main new Gundam and thought, this is the hero. But I don't think that was exactly where they're going with him.
0: Okay, so that was one of your points from the video that uh, yeah. generated a lot of comments. So uh, before I say any more, I'll take it around the table uh sobro any comments on that
4: well uh shin uh, when it comes to shin um i think what the show failed to me um and, and with his characters that even though he was against the grain and was completely different and i really did appreciate that mm-hmm. the narrative thrust fell off of him completely as certainly sh- true yep. as as the other characters the older characters from gundam um, from 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 Gundam seed pre- prior you know they they ended up uh taking more prominence as opposed to as as you brought up Zeta earlier where zeta the older characters showed up, but they kind of were in the background as opposed to all the new cast, and that 's the big difference between uh shin 's role in destiny and say someone like Camille and Zeta, where uh they just didn 't capitalize on Shin at all they did they yeah. they set up a great character when it was yeah. angsty chip on his shoulder. <laughs> then completely, it just fell off. It fell off completely, and, and 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 as with other things in the show, and um, you know, I I I just it, that that to me was a huge disappointment. But that's, that's what I have to say. Okay, Neo. Um, when it comes to Shin, I, I think, you know,
1: once again, I'm just going to go by for what was actually put on the screen. I'm not going to go with speculation of what they thought they were going to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, the, the thing about it is is he was a very interesting character in the fact that for the first time we had somebody choose to become a Gundam pilot, uh, not necessarily yeah. maybe becoming a Gundam pilot, but he chose to enlist in the military, become a mobile suit pilot, he was eventually select to be the you know the 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 pilot of the uh of the impulse mm. so i i think that is um you know that to me was very interesting and the fact that we're not see we're not able to see what his development is is what's really makes the lacking of the show and and, and the other issue that i have too is you you sit there, and even in your video, you're talking about the hero, the hero, the hero. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the hero, though? Is the hero just the person on the winning side? I mean, in, in the end, if you look at, like, First Gundam, Armro, yes, he was the hero propped up with the Federation, but he didn't feel like a hero. He sure. necessarily didn't do heroic things to get to the to the mm-hmm. just ends that he did. So I, I think mm-hmm. when you were focusing on that, I was like, you know, that, that that's a little... That, you know, that, I, I think that's a little too black and white. And as we've mm-hmm. always seen with Gundam, it's a gray show. It's, 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 and you know that that's been the issue with it. And I, I can understand, you know, okay, yeah, uh, Shin thought he knew everything, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but let's be honest, this guy had. Um he had a, a a traumatic experience that he had to live with for the next two years. It wasn't mm-hmm. the situation like Camille where he sees his mom get killed in front of him and then, and then that from that point on he decides what to do. This kid was lost his family, got orphaned, got stuck on was it, uh an evacuation ship, got up mm-hmm. to Zaft, and there's and who knows all the other silliness that was going between the mm-hmm. Federate or the Earth Alliance And 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 we do see some of it later on in the show. So, you know, that that's where they miss the boat, because we have Mm -hmm. we have a situation where we have somebody, you know, we don't have accidental teenage pilot. Mm -hmm. And that was refreshing. And, you know, let's be honest. They, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you can think what you want. And, okay, maybe he didn't seem to be the 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 greatest person. But let's see at let's see him progress all the way to the end to make that decision. We were never given that. We, it's just like, oh, here comes Kira and the crew, and it's like, wow,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah, he, so. suffered,
4: he suffered from a of development for most of the show. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I will say, I mean, um, the, 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 I, I, I agree with you. Um, the, the, the only twist on that is that Gundam Seed Destiny was pretty well uh, defined and marketed as a sequel to Gundam Seed. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm a little more okay with them bringing back those those characters because it wasn't built like Zeta Gundam. You know, here's a new Gundam series in the same universe. The character's going to come back. Seed Destiny was more you know continuing on from the Seed. Um, that said, I certainly agree. You know, if you're going to introduce this new character of Shin and and make him. Uh, 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 you know, that that central character. I would have liked to have seen a little more. You know, obviously, we got a few moments with, uh, you know, him killing the captain and and things like that that uh, uh, said some interesting things about him. But, uh, yeah, we don't get too much. Uh, Let me build
0: off a couple of points there. First, the issue of the marketing. And uh, I know, Brent, you said that you were watching Destiny as it aired in Japan. Yeah, and you know, of course, with MHQ, I was covering this stuff. You know, as all the news was breaking. Mm. The thing about the marketing, because I think a lot of the people who make this argument mm-hmm. about Shin um, did not watch the show in its original airing, and that's very yeah. important for this context. Mm-hmm. If you look yep. at all of the early advertisements, mm-hmm. all of the focus was on uh, Shin, the oh, really? Impulse, Durandal and quite a bit of Atherin. Kira hardly played a role in those early advertisements. Hell, the first promotional image we got was a picture of Durandal, Shin, Atherin, and the Impulse. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And uh, Sobro, you scanned that Translate American New type. What was it that they called, Shin? The the Destiny's Avenging Hero, or Dark Hero, or <laughs> yeah. Angry Hero, something like that.
4: Yeah. I could read it off to you. It says right mm. here, uh, in other words, he would uh, <laughs> in reference to Shin, mm. it says here, um... The coordinator's side of the battle, with this extraordinary skill and passion, he would have found a place as one of Zap's top pilots, mm. determined to protect the plants from the naturals on Earth. In other words, he would have been just like a uh Gundam C. Destiny's main character Shin Asuka. So, mm-hmm. um, and this is from a really early new type, a USA that uh mm-hmm. came out um around the time that C. Destiny was just starting to air yeah. in Japan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they were they were marketing the hell out of him being the main character. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at the uh, the first opening sequence, mm-hmm. uh, Kira plays a very small part in that. And even in that first core, yeah. that first set of thirteen episodes, he doesn't do much. The first time we see him, it's a wordless cameo as he's watching the the fragments of Union oh. Seven come down.
4: He's piloting that good. rocking chair.
0: Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he has some dialogue yeah. with uh, Atherin and Orb. He has that, that meeting with Shin, talking about the flowers, mm. and he doesn't actually do anything until the very end of the first core, yeah. when uh, the whole thing of reactivating freedom. I would certainly agreed, yeah. And then it's later on that you see more and more of him taking prominence to the point that in the third and fourth openings, it's all about him, practically. <laughs> so, <laughs> bouncing, yeah, off so- of,
4: go-
0: bouncing off of uh, Neo's point about uh, hero. I think the problem was with in this discussion of saying hero is that it has the mm-hmm. connotation of good and bad yeah. hero mm-hmm. versus villain. So right. Brent, maybe I think, are you trying to say more protagonist versus as in well, this is the person that the story is about, uh, not including their actual motivations and which faction they're a part of?
2: Right, and 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 that's the thing. Um, well, is that like you know, when you go back to the formation of of Mecca as this very shoneni you know, very moral thing, like back in the 70s with, uh, you know, Mazinger and Get a Robo and all that, all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, th- th- there was this very clear, very specific formula that, you know, that central pilot character had to be someone that th- the kids could look up to um, and had to be this, yeah, had to have this very strong moral center. He could be, you know, rough and tumble. He could be hard to get along with. Uh, and, you know, he could be Domonkashu. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had to have that—that that very strong, you know, something that the parents could get behind, um, and that's something we've seen, I think, in Gundam pretty, pretty uh, uh, consistently. I can't think of a Gundam series where we haven't had that in in your, your sort of central central character. Um, well, if you and- look, you know, look at some other shows like, say, Double O.
0: You know, mm, these yeah. Setsuna and Celestial Being, technically the people are terrorists. There's yeah. nothing exactly. yes. very but, good and moral well, about but, what they're doing.
2: Well, I, I got to disagree there because the uh, the point behind 00 is that they may be terrorists, but they have good moral intentions. That's one of the things that the Gundam really looks at. Is, I know, but then you get in – that's that's the
0: morality. You know, one right. man's terrorist, is another man's yeah. freedom fighter. So, Certainly. you know, it depends on which way you're looking at it. By that same argument – uh, you could say that the Wing Boys technically are also terrorists because they <laughs> were that way by the uh, the Alliance and by Oz. So, you know, looking at the stuff that Shin does, um, yeah, he is being manipulated. and He lets himself become the dog of Durandal, mm-hmm. but by the same token, you know, he's not out there gassing colonies like uh, like a Titan, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. But I I think you know like I was saying earlier, I think the way he's portrayed, and again, I I understand that that's fairly subjective. But you know the way he's portrayed is is relatively amoral, um, or at least you know uh, very um, uh, unformed uh, uh, morally um, in a way that we haven't. That we, you know, we don't see with Amuro. I mean, if anything, Amuro and Camille are are far too you know certain of, of their their beliefs. Um, and and are,
3: you, are you serious about that?
1: Really? About what? I mean, I, I hate to interrupt, but no, you're really serious that Amuro in First Gundam was. Fr- uh, Um, you know, firm in his beliefs. I mean, he was towards the end, but he was wishy-washy back and forth. He didn't, you know, he wanted to protect his friends, but yet he didn't want to put up with Bright and the military and stuff like that. Camille, Camille, it took him the same thing. I mean, Camille was a punk all the way up until the mid part of that show after he got corrected on the bridge by Bright. So, I mean, you know, it's...
2: it depends on how you define punk.
1: Um, I mean, because... I mean, now you're playing semantics, though. I mean, and and that's... and that's the thing. It's like, you know, we're just going by what the, what, what's being seen here. Yes, right. okay, Shin, I don't think that Shin's an amoral character because Shin, he might be misguided, but he felt That's a better that, term. You're right. Yeah, he felt that, uh, uh, you know, people with no power had to be protected from people that had power that wanted to use it against him. Mm-hmm. He was in the situation where he could not have power, so he couldn't protect his family. Right now, he has the power. He feels that he must protect all the people, the plants, and let's not forget, for the first part of that show, him mm-hmm. and the rest of the um, Minerva crew, mm-hmm. they're celebrated along the along the plants and everything as heroes, yeah. and they're being cheered. You know, they help those that little girl and those freedom fighters in the desert destroy yeah. that thing. So, I mean, in the end, isn't what he's doing? good i mean if you're going to look at it as good and bad i mean here here's all these these people from the desert being uh, subjected to you know whatever they were being subjected to by the the earth alliance and they go in there they destroy this big you know gun emplacement big mecca and mm-hmm. they save these people so mm-hmm. i don't know about that i mean i think you got to kind of well. look at and and you know, and Let a me thing let,
0: let me let me jump in with some some sure. maybe some clarification on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the key themes in pretty much every Gundam show is that um, war is a bad thing, but you have <laughs> to fight to protect mm-hmm. the things and the people that are important to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And destiny definitely carries that through, as Neo yep. mentioned that Shin he didn't have the power to protect his family, and he wanted to have that power, and we see that in the things that he does, like. Um, in that battle in the desert with those people yep. or earlier when um, he liberated all the people who were being used as slave labor to build mm. an alliance military base, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when they're fighting to um, save Berlin from the destroy Gundam, mm-hmm. you know, even later yeah. on when in, when in orb, they're fighting orb, which is protecting uh, a war criminal. To mm-hmm. Jabril, of course. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's, he's unformed or anything like that because he does have that same idea that a lot of Gundam pilots and other shows have is that you have to have the power to protect what's important to you. The problem is that he gets misguided by Durandal's propaganda and the manipulations of him and Ray.
2: That's, no, That's a good way of putting it. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's a good way of putting it.
0: Outside of the context of the show, we have to look at the writing, and there is a definite problem with an inconsistency in his portrayal because um, in most of the episodes, but especially in the second half of the series, any episode that Kira is not in, Shin is portrayed as undoubtedly a good character. Mm-hmm. But in any episode that Kira is in, together with Shin,
4: he becomes then a mad dog. Shin
0: basically degenerates into being uh, a poor man's Jared. <laughs> okay. So. His portrayal is inconsistent because now he's presented as um, as sort of a bad guy, especially when they start up right after the point when he gets Destiny. When he Mm -hmm. gets Destiny, you know, he's shown, like, for example, when they're fighting at Heaven's Base and they're destroying all of these... um, you know, Alliance Mecca, you know, he's mm-hmm. there, he's the good guy because he's fighting against Jibril's forces. Mm. But then, when they're fighting Orb and he's fighting against Kira and Athrin, he mm-hmm. just comes across as a really bad guy. Mm. But what really changed? It's the fact that Kira is present in, in these battles. And I think that that's a problem with the writing that that um, presents Shin in that way, that he went from being a good guy to just a blathering mad dog whenever he sees Kira and Athrin on screen.
2: Well, I, I will say, and I, obviously I can't comment on what they were trying to accomplish there. I, I, the, the way I took that, and maybe this is incorrect, is that I thought that you know, Shin and Arthur just really pissed Shin off. Um, and that was something that just really, you know, for whatever reason, you know, um, brought out that really mad, broken side of Shin. Um, well,
1: yeah, you know, but you've you got to remember, though, I mean, yeah, he did get pissed off at them, but the thing was... Let's be let's look at the context of the show again and what was shown to us. Mm-hmm. The Zaf forces were fighting against this terrorist laden alliance forces who were doing these racist things and horrible things mm. and being and actually freeing people. Mm. And then when you have a situation like in Berlin where these guys are coming in, the Archangel crew, and they're messing they're mucking things up. Mm. You know, some and and that's why that's where I always thought he was getting pissed off because they're mm. mucking things up. And, you know, it's like, hey, we're here to do this. We're the ones supposed to do it. But yet you're coming in with all your ideals and, you know, getting in getting in the way of what we're trying to do. So I I mean, that's what was shown. So,
0: so I want to uh, move on to um, probably the other main point Hmm. and that in the video. And that is uh, this discussion of the character of Kira you know, and him as Jesus Yamato, as a Gary Stu, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, Brent, why don't you lay out, um, you know, if if you had mm. anything that um, you wanted to express in that video that maybe you didn't express the way you wanted to and well, what you want yeah. to say now about that issue.
2: Yeah, I, and I think, again, I think people misunderstood that, you know, I, I'm not saying that Kira is the uh, <laughs> most three-dimensional character ever made. Um, or that Kira, you know, the way they handled Kira was perfect or anything. Um uh my issue was that some of the comments I'd read was that um uh uh that they felt Kira was portrayed as someone who kind of has limitless power, who comes in, fixes everything, and um and is used and, and was used in a way that was how do I put this? Um um I mean, not just kind of a, a messiah character, but also just kind of just a, uh, a messiah character with no um, problems. No faults? No, no, no faults, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Kira certainly uh, <laughs> sits in a very special place in the writer's uh, uh, minds, from what we can tell. <laughs> um, but, you know, and uh, you know, the one thing I wanted to point out in, the, in, in that video, and it's unfortunate because it meant to be just like kind of a side thing. Is that, um, uh, you know, there are indications in that that, you know, the reason Kira didn't come into the conflict until later on is because he didn't want to come into the conflict until he was sure of what the right thing to do was. And that I felt that that was an important sort of concession on on the writer's um, uh, side uh, that, you know, Kira's ability is, you know, ridiculously powerful. Mm-hmm. And so they were actually dealing with that in the writing by saying, here's a character that we're not just going to bring in, you know, five episodes in or whatever we want to. We're going to weave into the show the fact that he has to think for a while. Um, and so that's really all I wanted to say about Kira is that at least they acknowledge the fact that he has these massive powers and that he is trying to deal with that in some way.
0: See, my... My problem where, where I disagree with that is that mm. uh, I don't really felt that they dealt with that issue because okay. all you really had was in that first episode when they come under attack mm-hmm. and he has to turn on the freedom mm-hmm. that uh, Lockers doesn't want him to fight. And he's like, right. hey, come on, I have to. And then she lets him fight. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, him and his whole faction, they're just hung up with uh, Durandal and suspicion of him. Mm-hmm. And almost oblivious to all of the other stuff that's happening and, say, mm-hmm. all of the atrocities that are happening. For example, mm-hmm. in the early 40s, when, um, when Jabril unveils his latest superweapon, Requiem, and he mm-hmm. starts blasting the plants and he kills, like, God knows how many tens of thousands of innocent mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see anyone on, on the, uh, the Three Ships Alliance side saying, boy, we better go get uh, that guy, Jabril. Their whole hang-up, the whole series till the end is Durandal. And yes, Durandal is, unfortunately, a bad guy by the end of the series, but Mm. it seems like his whole faction has this tunnel vision of focusing only on Durandal. And then also the fact that uh, the Lacus faction, as presented in the series, they are just completely perfect. They are right about everything, and there's nothing uh, wrong with anything that they say. And I think that's kind of illustrated when uh, this whole issue of Athrin, like, what should I be doing, blah, 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 kind of a repeat of his development in Seed, Mm -hmm. when um, he's told by Durandal, like, hey, you're just a fighter, you're just a pilot, you shouldn't Mm -hmm. ask any big questions, you just do what you're told. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asks Lacus, like, do you think that I'm also like that, that I'm just uh, a -hmm. fighter and I should do what I'm told? Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, you are you. And then Mm -hmm. what does he end up doing? He just becomes a fighter and and does what he's told (laughs) so my problem with uh with kira it's not even that he's ungodly powerful because we've seen Mm. that before it's that his whole faction is presented as being completely in the right about everything and there's nothing they do that's ever wrong or questionable okay so uh gentlemen any other comments about that
4: um in retrospect, watching the show um even though the show doesn't acknowledge it, they end up being a chaotic good not a not a mm-hmm. not a not a justful uh or a uh <clears throat> Uh, you know, just lawful, just good. lawful good. Thank you. they are talking about
2: D&D D and D alignments now. Nothing wrong with that.
4: But yeah, that, that's that's what they end up being, and they they cause a lot of problems throughout the course of the show, especially for um the work that Shin and uh, the crew of the Minerva are doing. Um, Certainly. And 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 of course, it caused Shin to go buck wild every time they show up. You know, <laughs> he goes 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 into mad dog mode and just you know yes. just just loses his shit. But, um, yeah, uh, overall, I, mean, I mean, Kira's more of a three-dimensional character to me in Seed. And then he, uh, yeah, he regressed definitely. along with Athrin, um, in Destiny, um, to the point where, you know, when they were introduced, they just never were fully fleshed out. It's almost as if, like you had mentioned earlier, that they, the writers have a soft spot for him mm-hmm. and they, they, they have him accomplish everything he, he sets his mind to, except for, you know, the one time where he gets the freedom destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he comes back stronger and ends the show with a perfect victory. You know, mm. he, he becomes broken here for the most part. <laughs> mm. But yeah, uh, I, I didn't like Kira's depiction in the show at all. Uh, I, I, he was just a little too perfect and, um, a, a very Gary Stewish when, when it comes down to it. Um, uh, Neo? <laughs> Well, in the end, I mean, I find it ironic with Kira that
1: he's the same. He's actually suffering from the same thing he's accusing Durandal of, of he only knowing what what he knows is the only right path for the for the earth and and for the plants. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. It's the same exact thing. And, yeah, I agree. I mean, they 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 get into all this stuff and. They don't look that, okay, yeah, the Earth Alliance is doing a lot of horrible stuff. Okay, Zaft is doing some bad things too. But, you know, there they're, they're, they're are whole, pain, you know, it just comes off as he's just butthurt that they tried to kill Locus. And he's just got a vendetta. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, it would have been better if they just written it that way where he was just had a vendetta to go after Durandal because he tried to kill the woman he loved. i actually have no problem with that if they were just honest about it more than anything, but this whole ambiguity, like, oh, you know, we must defeat him because he is bad and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, really? And, you know, I liked Kira in the first show, but Silver was right. I mean, he just, I don't even, he didn't, he regressed. He just kind of was there. It just, you know, it seemed like he was put in there. When, oh, we need a flashy action sequence. Okay, here we go. You know, strike freedom to the rescue. And then that's kind of, that's kind of the, kind of what we were getting there. And, Fair enough yeah you know, so
0: well, I think uh you know to to sort of wrap this up and bring it home, I think we can for all that we depart on, I think all four of us can agree that destiny had a lot of squandered potential sure yeah. and uh no, I don't think that it raped the baby Jesus the way that some <laughs> some people do <laughs> uh but yeah, definitely nah. in in my mind, it's one of the the lower scale of the Gundam shows <laughs> just because it has so many problems, and more so the fact not just because it's you know a bad show but because at the beginning i really liked it a Mm. lot oh yeah and i could see you know and for if you ask me for the first say 12 episodes i thought it was so much better than that same part of seed and thought this show is gonna be way better than seed when all said and done
4: it hit the ground running It did yeah. hit the
0: ground running, but yeah. then it, it could not keep up that momentum, and in the end turned out, at least for me, a disappointment. So, you know, I think we can all agree there that there's so much more the show could have done, but alas, we'll never know what it could have been because we only have what we're presented with.
4: Kind of like Stargazer.
2: <laughs> oh, yes.
4: Hey, I, wa- I wanted to talk to you about that, but that would just make this a the, twice the length of the second.
2: Oh, God. <laughs>
4: So who,
0: who knows? Maybe if this uh, this mythical Seed movie happens, which everyone yeah. just assumes is a foregone conclusion, just because it's the 10th anniversary of Seed, and oh, they got the Blu-rays. Maybe it means the movie's gonna be made. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. So maybe uh, if there is, hopefully, uh, to borrow a term from uh, from uh, fighting games, they'll they'll nerf Kira a little bit in the title update and balance <laughs> him out a little bit better.
4: <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. He's, he definitely is
0: broken tear and uh, you know I just worry good god if that <laughs> mythical seed movie ever happens what sort of uber broken tear yeah. gun will he have to replace Strike Freedom <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's <Hey>. Wesker level <laughs> hey it's better than Ideon you know? <laughs> and here is the black hole gun <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> so well, Brent, I want to thank you for, for joining us, and uh, tell, us, tell people where they can find uh, your
2: stuff on YouTube. Well, thanks very much for having me. And I, like I, I said, I have been a, a long-time fan of you guys. You guys are doing some great work out here with, uh, with uh, Gundam and in general just talking about uh, uh, Mecha and doing so intelligently. So I really appreciate having me on. Um, I am uh, most available at otakunovideo.net, which was a hilarious joke of a title and now means nothing, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but uh, I blog, I do video podcasts, I do a live show every Friday night where I uh, talk about anime and manga news and show some classics and uh, just generally chat it up with folks about uh, this weird, crazy, fun, interesting world of anime. Alright, so everyone
0: uh, check that out if you want to find out some more about what Brent's doing, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Gundam at MAHQ.
3: Gundam. Damn it! Look, people, this is chaos!
4: What's up, Gundam Nation? As you well know, episode 100 is right around the corner. But to make it a hallmark episode, we'll need your help. Head on over to Gundam.net and find the show notes for this episode or the post titled Episode 100, Listener Participation Project. Once you're there and have read the instructions on what to do, call the number listed in those steps for the Shinjuku Station Special Projects line. And leave a message pertaining to one of these two subjects. Shit, Gundam listeners say.
0: You like Gundam Double
1: You know that's just a ripoff of Wing, right? In season two, that's just Wing and Zeta.
4: And your favorite Gundam moment.
3: Neo, Chris, and Solbro. Congratulations on reaching episode 100. There's been a lot of great memories from the G Savior episode to the Wings of Rein segment.
4: The deadline for submissions is April 1st, 2012. So don't sleep head on over to Gundam.net and help make episode 100 of Gundam at MAHQ a memorable one. I I am not handsome. I I am not
2: handsome. I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6.
0: Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way.
2: You guys
3: are still playing with your consoles? Please fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming.
0: Are you sick of Nerd Ragers making you feel like your games don't matter?
2: Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big
0: and small. And don't forget our other podcast where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us
2: on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Happy birthday. i to say. Well, you could say thank you. Thank you.
3: Goddammit, Jim, what the hell's the matter with you? Other people have birthdays, why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured.
4: Welcome back to the Nostalgia Train. That's right, I'm your conductor, Sobro Ryu. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ, and this time we're going to review uh, an anime movie, uh, an anthology from the 1980s. It actually released in 1987, um, and the project is uh, pretty much uh, uh, overseen um, by different directors. It was called uh, Robot Carnival. And a lot, a lot of you guys might be familiar with it because in the early '90s, it actually aired as part of a uh, a special block that uh, Sci-Fi Channel um, aired for anime uh, when they would show anime movies. This is one of the premier movies that they showed, and um, you might. I'm have more seen familiar
0: it. with it from your frequent
4: mentions of it. Oh boy! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I
0: watched it on Sci-Fi in the '90s, <laughs> and it was, it
4: was it stood out because um, it was uh, it was it was gorgeously animated, and uh, it had. Uh, just these little vignettes and, uh, and short stories uh, about uh, stories involving uh, robotics and robots and just and, uh, things uh, mecha and mechanical. And um, some of it was uh, amusing, some of it was very stunning, and some of it was uh, downright creepy and <laughs> and off-putting. But uh, Robot Carnival is is something that I, I hold very dear to heart, and uh, I, we're going to get into each part of Robot Carnival, all the segments that uh, comprise the entire movie, uh, starting with the opening, uh, where you see the actual Robot Carnival pretty much decimate a town with with fun and excitement. (laughs) (laughs) But um, basically, uh, there is a a, a town full of uh, villagers and um, a, a poster just Blows into the town, and it's kind of like a, a town in the middle of the desert. This one kid sees it and freaks the, freaks the hell out, and tells all the vi- villagers to take uh, cover because the robot carnival is coming. And boy, in see right! In their gibberish speech. In their gibberish speech, it, you'll you notice about this movie that there's only really two segments where there's actually language spoken. The rest of it, they're either is just pantomime and silence, or gibberish. <laughs> so, <laughs> in this particular segment, that is a uh, uh, there's definitely gibberish about, and um. All the fun begins. But, Chris, what are your thoughts on this uh, this segment of the movie?
0: Well, interestingly, if you look at the character designs, it sticks out instantly that the opening is directed by Katsuhiro Otomo.
4: Yes, indeed. Yeah.
0: And uh, what I find amusing is that this robot carnival is this basically this runaway mechanical circus that is sort of like the size of a Jawa sand crawler. <laughs> yeah. Or or sort of like the, uh, the space shuttle crawler. Mm-hmm but it's completely gone amok and uh, instead of bringing joy to people it brings devastation as it just steamrolls this entire town and all of the fireworks has everything to blow up and pretty much everything is just left in ruin in complete contrast to all of the joy that the robots are just sort of performing uh, because that's what they're programmed to do completely unaware of the actual destruction that
4: they're causing it's quite the juxtaposition (laughs) but um, uh, Neo what were your thoughts on this
1: uh, you know, same thing. Uh, just a very interesting opening to see that you know this this large piece of technology that you can see that was originally thought of as, as being um, a fun thing is just gone out of control. And you know the, the looks and the crazy gibberish of these people when they realize that this crazy thing is coming, and you just see it basically just flatten that whole um, that that whole little village is is, is kind of funny, <laughs> kind of funny but sad in the same way. So.
4: I just it's a it's a blend of the dark and the whimsical, and I didn't think that would work, but it it, it seems to work for this this segment here in the movie. And um, yeah, those those poor people just 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 trying to escape the devastation of all the uh all the all the uh, amusement that the the robot carnival at least thinks is trying to provide these people. So um, it's 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 wonderfully animated, and it, those people live in in such squalor. But uh, even even as dirty and and as filthy as the people are, it's 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 it, it looks great. <laughs> it's, But uh, we'll move on to the next segment, which is Franken's Gears. And that was directed by Koji Morimoto, who also worked on uh, uh, Memories, another compilation uh, headed up by Otomo as well. And he directed. uh magnetic rose the segment for that but in this segment uh you have a, this frankenstein um was it magnetic rose type.
0: directed by uh satoshi khan satoshi khan um i believe
4: that's neither here nor there though yeah neither here know here I, I, if anything i know he had something to do with magnetic rose i, I guess i'm talking out my ass as i usually do but <laughs> in franken's gears uh you have this uh dr dr frankenstein type who's trying to put together a uh a frankenstein monster of his own made from random robot parts and um he, his attempt, it looks like it starts in failure, but um, it actually uh, he actually succeeds and then it uh, it comes to uh, bring him to an end towards the end of the segment. But uh, what did you guys think about this? I
0: thought it was interesting that uh, you know, he succeeds and he's so happy, and this robot is mimicking his movements, but then unfortunately, he he trips and falls, mm-hmm. and the robot mimics that movement and accidentally kills its own creator. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Uh, the thing i liked about this uh this segment is when when it loses all color and it goes to monochrome that it this just a, just the detail of uh the awakening of the monster is, is to me the best part of this segment and then um you just get this creepy vibe throughout the remainder of it because you know it's just going to end badly especially when the place starts to fall on top of him but um it also you know, has
0: a nice uh steampunk look to it too yeah it
4: does doesn't it hey, especially when the place is uh when it, when his experiment goes awry and uh all his uh all the, the machinery around him just starts falling apart. Starts yeah. falling apart. You can see how 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 rough shot it is. But uh, Neo, any thoughts on this? Um, no, it, it's just it, it, it's just
1: funny to see the scientist how engrossed he is. Like you know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, and and you know he's just want so focused on getting this thing to move and to walk that he forgets about his own safety. And <laughs> you know, and, and and as we see. Um, he did too well of a job to have that thing mimic him because uh, it ended up just killing him so uh you know it's it i guess it's that it's always that that lesson of of the frankenstein's monster is you know you create life and it'll probably end up ending yours so
0: when you were watching this did you have the the robot tomes clutched closely to your heart of course of course i always do
1: now i actually go to I actually go to bed with them because uh it's just it's it's
4: coming it's and, coming. and a picture of the Admiral on your mantle.
1: <laughs> Actually, to be honest with you, there's, there's some new Admiral action figures Ooh. that are coming out, so I'm going to have to get some because uh, I'll put those as like little shaman, you know, like little shaman things. Nice. We're all in my apartment right now, and so if the, if the robot apocalypse happens and they see that, they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> he killed the robot. We're not doing this. So
4: well let Franken Zaguerez be a cautionary tale about the Cylon uprising coming soon. Oh, <laughs> let all these robot things be a cautionary tale <laughs> we'll add this to the list, but uh, we'll move on to the next segment, which is deprived, probably the most straightforward out of all the um of all the segments and and, and the thing about this segment um basically it features a uh, a robot who had a a human master who gets kidnapped by an alien or a robot invasion, and he um gets uh, Almost destroyed during that, that encounter, but then gets rebuilt to, uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, to rescue his uh, his female human uh, uh, master our, our friend and um, He takes on a kind of a humanoid form or, uh, or he has a hologram that makes him look human at certain times unless it 's disabled, but he pretty much goes through an army of uh, these these uh, bike uh, apocalyptic punk looking robots until he gets to uh, their leader, which he takes down as well. And um, it's it, it it this segment it reminded me a lot of some uh, of, uh, probably more so '80s anime, um, especially stuff like *Mospita* and whatnot. But um speaking of *Mospita*, I'm, I'm a, I'll toss it to Chris to see what his thoughts are on deprive You know,
0: this one it kind of seems like an extended trailer for a dumb action movie that never existed.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, it does.
0: <laughs> so you got this robot invasion, this girl getting grabbed, and this other robot he goes through this whole legion of grunts. Then he's fighting me like flamboyant and flashy so 80s uh villain boss then he Mm -hmm. rescues the girl and they're happy it's like yeah this this does look like a it looks like a six minute trailer for a two-hour movie that never was made (laughs) basically
4: (laughs) and it moves it, it, it does a good job of actually setting up the story like in the very beginning very quickly and then you just get this long set piece afterwards that just you know just runs um throughout the course of the story and it gets the job done um but uh, it, it's definitely not one of my favorites in this one. It's just it's just pretty neat to see. It reminds me a lot of heavy metal, uh, to be honest. Yeah, it's got that it's got that yeah. so '80s feel to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Neo, any thoughts on this one? Once
1: again, clutching the robot tomes. There you go. Knowing <laughs> that one of these days, this is this is this is just uh, art's going intim- to in, in, intimidate or intimidate life. So you know, <laughs> so, I don't know. But yeah, it's 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 definitely good. And I I do agree with Chris. It does feel like. Um, a trailer of something that you're waiting to see. <laughs> and you're like, man, I kind of would like to see this, you
4: know, but... Well, there you go. Um, uh, that, that, that takes us to probably one of my favorite segments in all of Robot Carnival, which is presence. Um, to make a long story short, you have a guy who pretty much seems to live the, the perfect life. He has a, a wife who is a uh, just pretty much the breadwinner in his family. Uh, and she runs um, She's an executive, and he has a family, a daughter, and um, he, I guess, is a toy maker of some sort, or he works in robot engineering. And, um, on his off time, he goes to a secluded cabin where he has a, uh, uh, a, fe- a female robot uh, kind of in that look kind of she looks kind of like a doll but uh she 's you know full full humanoid looking robot who he uh, he, he, he created to placate his fantasies uh, about not having a mother figure in his life, and things get out of control as she expresses his love for him or wanting to know what love is all about with him, and he can 't take it and he he destroys his creation only to have her haunt him later on in his older years. And, um, what were, what were uh, Chris, what, uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this, this, um, uh, segment?
0: It definitely is, uh, a haunting one, and it's one of the longer segments, weighing in at about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Actually having dialogue in it. And actually having dialogue in it. The interesting thing is, most of the time when people talk, you don't see them actually talking on screen. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Like it's either a voiceover or somehow the shot is cut so that you don't see their mouths, which mm-hmm. is kind of, kind of interesting. And, um, the animation in this is just so well done, and um, <clears throat> you know it's by uh, Yasuomi Umetsu, who mm-hmm. he did Megazone Twenty Three Part Two, and uh, I believe he did he also yeah he did Kite, I think.
4: Did he have anything to do with Aeon Flux? Because some of the art 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 design reminds me of that, but uh... I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, definitely, you
0: can see his character design style. Like um, with this girl, she looks like she could have been. In Megazona, she had been more punked up, at least in Part 2. But (laughs) there's so much attention to detail in the way that she's animated, like the way her earrings move, the little charms that are on her clothes, you know, the the wrinkles in her dress. I mean, there's so much attention to detail in everything here. And um, there's definitely some haunting imagery, like when you see him, um, when he grabs the wrench to go and kill her, the shot switches to a duck toy that's walking on the ground and it gets knocked over by a bird toy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh you know the imagery of him as an old man who's haunted by her and then he makes the as a very old man makes the journey back to that cabin and you see like her dead body just lying there with green fluid and just covered in cobwebs and just the age of a couple of decades it's really really quite sad
4: yeah it, it's sad and uh, it, it's it's probably to me the most the most memorable of the, of the segments to be honest with you i i i when I, anytime i think of robot carnival i think of presence and uh just the uh just the way that story is told and 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 just, just the macabre feeling of it but um neo any any thoughts on it um from your perspective
1: yeah i mean it's um it's it, it it's it's strangely compelling like you know it, it's it gives you kind of a creep feel because of the whole you know the guy seems like he's just kind of going through the motions of life and this um you know dealing with this robot and fixing all these toys and stuff in the secluded cabin Makes him happy, and then you know she, th- this robot actually starts to give him what he was intending to build her for, and then he just uh, goes crazy, and then you know it looks like he's been dealing with the regret of what he did for all these years, and then he finally, um, uh, you know, he finally goes back there, and then the, then the whole end of when you know uh, she returns, and uh, you know he kind of disappears with him. And uh, you know, while at the same time, the man's wife is walking out, seeing him walk. Like in one shot, he sees her walking away with her, and the next one, it's like they're gone. So, it's very, um, it's very, very, uh, very interesting and and open to a lot of interpretations. So, um, you know, it, it has to be has to be up there as as one of the most memorable ones. I, th- I think this. For me, it's one of the most memorable bonds with uh, another one coming up here. So. Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's, 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 um, did he, it makes you question, did he die? Did he get raptured? You know, did she, did, was it a hallucination that is, that, that, that the woman saw at the end? You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's thought provoking. And that's, uh, that's, that's what I really dig about presence myself. And, um, definitely the highlight of the movie. Uh, the next segment we're going to talk about it's probably a little bit, a, a whole lot more easier going, and uh, it screams the eighties. <laughs> it is a starlight angel, and, <laughs> and uh, basically the, these two girls are at Neo Disneyland practically. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me let me set this one up because yeah, watching this,
0: there Okay, first of all, this this is directed by Hiroyuki Kitazume, who um, worked on did some character series. designs for, for Double Zeta and Char's Counterattack, and mm-hmm. is the guy who's doing um, he did Char's Elite Affair yes indeed so we have this Lena slash poodle looking girl Mm -hmm. and her friend Blonde Quest (laughs) yeah and they're in this Disneyland copyright infringement park woo and then
4: uh, Molester Shar shows up yes indeed and before (laughs) that there was a cameo for uh, 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 Tetsuo from Akira if you look closely it's like whoa that's Tetsuo he's blonde
0: though and the (laughs) the 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 freaking like military guy he shows up too oh yeah yeah (laughs) So that yeah, colonel. Yeah. Molester Char shows up and he scares off Lena slash Puru and she gets into this ride. She imagines that uh, you know, she's flying in space and gets attacked by this evil robot. So this good robot mascot from the copyright infringement park mm-hmm. comes and he saves her. His uh his mask gets knocked off and she imagines that underneath the mask is adult judo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, they they beat up the evil robot, and then her fantasy ends when uh, the real adult Judo shows up, and she like runs to meet him.
4: There you go. That that uh that is it in a nutshell. What were your, what were your thoughts, Chris?
0: Well, you know the funny thing is that uh, those were not my thoughts at all. The the first time I watched it, other than the Disneyland copyright infringement park, uh huh, because I had not even seen Gundam e- yet. Exactly. <laughs> So watching this, and what's funny is that um, this is from 1987, so this precedes Char's counterattack by a year, but it had to have been in production by that point, so it's amusing uh, seeing Blonde Quest, who literally is Quest with blonde hair. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And seeing uh, this molester Char, who literally is the way that Char looks, but just a tad bit younger. Dead on. (laughs) It's dead on how Shar looks in Shar's counterattack, and mm-hmm. then how you've got adult Judo who looks pretty much exactly what you would expect Judo to look if he were, say, nineteen or twenty.
4: It's crazy, man.
0: Yes, because so I was thinking about that the whole time. <laughs> of it's like you see this this molester Shar guy look up, show up, and it's like, oh, this guy looks like such a molester. I wonder why. <laughs> and he's with these young girls. Oh my god, this is probably the one that I remember the most. Uh, from when I watched it the first time, of you know the the Disneyland type thing with the robots, and but now it just took on this amusing dimension with uh, the Gundam style character designs. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. Neo, and, and what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's up there
1: because it's it's a it's a very bizarre, like you said, the the whole thing of the copyright infringement park is hilarious. And then you know, as you see this years later, and you're like <laughs> putting it together, like Chris said the likenesses of these Gundam characters and just kind of, it seemed like a, it seemed like an old eighties music video to me too. Yeah. It's
0: funny you mentioned that because in, um, on ANN and the buried treasures, which I think Robert Carnival was the inaugural column of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Savakis mentioned that uh, that Starlight Angel took heavy inspiration from the video "Take On Me."
4: Yes, yeah. It, uh,
0: so I read that and I thought, "Hmm." Let me. Before I watched it, I went and I watched the video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, if for those of you who are young whelps who don't even know what what uh, "Take On Me" is, it's this video where this girl is reading this comic book that sort of comes to life, and she gets pulled into it. And um, there's all these contrasts of like the guy and the world being like pencil sketches with her being live action. And it switches back and forth between that. And they're on this adventure being chased by like these dudes. Yeah. So I can definitely see that influence. And that would have been just a few years after that video, which was
4: a very well-known video in the eighties. Yes. It's a very iconic. And uh, I remember that
0: from a kid on MTV. That was, that was like a heavily viewed video, heavily well-known video because it was uh, experimental for the time in those early days of videos is in
4: heavy rotation most definitely <laughs> <laughs> and spoofed since then especially on family guy i've seen it spoofed on that most yes. recently but uh yeah it, it, it definitely takes cues from take on me and um and and of course the character designs from all sorts of uh mecha shows are, i'd say more so gundam than anything but uh a, a, any any other thoughts neo no it's 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 just a fun little um you know it's it's a fun little fantasy
1: um adventure and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole thing of, you know, at the end is, you know, she the 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 robot turns into adult judo and then she finally meets adult judo. And it, once again, it's it's, you know, just like all of these little uh, shorts are doing. They kind of make you think in the end, like, how is this all? You know, is, is this really her fantasy? Or is there something else? Who knows? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the that's the um, that's the allure of uh, robot carnival so the,
0: the whole thing about robot carnival is robot carnival basically is robot fantasia yeah yeah and this one really presses the point home
4: <laughs> yeah especially really with does. the copyright
0: infringement park <laughs>
4: yeah that one and a segment that happens later on in this discussion yes uh, pretty much this 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 whole movie is fantasia meets heavy metal that's e- is easily what it is but i
0: think the the takeaway from starlight angel is and this is always a good thing to know always beware of molesters in theme parks <laughs> Always, yeah. especially oh. especially if they have if, if they have uh, a creepy smile.
4: Oh man, they look and, like Char. and they look like Char. That's the that's the important part. So watch out. <laughs> Definitely
0: <laughs> go the other way, especially Ooh. if you're an underage girl.
4: Sweet deal. Well, that that'll bring us on to our next segment, which is a uh, cloud, uh, more of an avant-garde. Um, uh, segment for uh, for the movie. It's basically a story told in pictures. Um, uh, you you pretty much in the in the corner of the screen for the most of the most of the segment. You see a robot walking through uh, eras in time, and it's represented through images and uh, in the background that are kind of uh based on formations and clouds. And you know they they detail from time to time. But um, basically, he's he's this robot. I guess has been through uh, different eras of man. And uh he's he's he pretty much is doing the Bruce Banner walk the entire time, <laughs> and without the sad
0: Hulk music, without
4: playing. the sad Hulk music playing exactly. But um, it'd um, be funny <laughs>
0: if it was though.
4: Someone should do a YouTube on that. You should. I should. I should. But um, it, uh, he's been over. He's been um observed by uh this one particular angel. Who uh, knows his struggle of, uh, I guess, not being human and being an outcast. And towards the end of the uh, of his trek, she uh, bestows upon him humanity and makes him human. And then he, I guess, he continues his walk. But uh, it's 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 very artistic. And um, at Neo, any any thoughts on this segment?
1: Well, this would probably be my second favorite one of this because um, it, it's one of those ones where just for the the really low music mm-hmm. and the the scenes that you see, it actually. T- it tells you the story, and you know it. it sometimes, sometimes less is more, and it's it's got a, you know, because you have this little robot that looks kind of like out of the pages of like Astro Boy or something like that. Yep. And um, you know the what is it the, the the theme of all robot things is they always want to become human, and mm-hmm. he, uh, you know he ends up. Be getting his wish at the end, but the fact that you're seeing these these things go on throughout history, and um, you know some of it's true, and then some of it's just uh, imagined because it's um, you know the future and stuff. But um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely pretty powerful, and and nice to have in, in, in a nice break after you know two to kind of, especially after Starlight Angel where, you know, it's kind of an action, real fantasy, um, you know, kind of even kind of like a shonen type of deal uh, or shoujo type of deal. It's, um, you know, you, you you have something like this, which is just so much so much different than any of the other uh, shorts that we've seen. So. Absolutely.
4: Chris, any thoughts?
0: Well, definitely this is the most artsy one and the, the least anime of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And you watch this thing of this little, like Neo mentioned, uh, Astro Boy, kind of Pinocchio-type robot, and he's just walking endlessly, and there's all these things playing out behind him. And you wonder, you know, having been around for, for so long, how many horrible and wonderful things did he see throughout the March of History? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think that's, I think that's the, the message that they're trying to kind of portray there. So.
4: It, it it very it it did seem very Tezuka esque to me too, um, uh, with 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 the fact that uh, I know a lot of Tezuka stories do deal with uh, human robot relations and um, uh, the the mistakes that mankind makes, and uh, just just the rise and fall of man as well as a uh, uh, feature robots and 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 their role in that at least when it came to Astro Boy and it, it reminded me a lot of that even though in, in simplistic terms. Um, and just watching it, it's 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 very it's very awe striking. It's it's different from any other segment in the movie. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 simplistic in its execution, but uh when it comes down to it, it it tells a fine story. And uh, at the end of the segment, you're you're you're, you're left in you're almost in awe of, of 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 seeing it. So yeah.
0: Well, I, it's I, like Neo said. Sometimes less is more, and that's definitely true in this case. Instead of having you know tons of keyframes of animation, it's like sort of simple pencil sketches, but it really gets the point across.
4: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It reminds me of, um, I used to, when I used to watch public television back as a kid, there are a lot of, uh, animated shorts done by, uh, uh, I guess were done on Canadian public television. And a lot of them resemble the same thing that, uh, uh, and were done in the same style that Cloud was done in. And, uh, that's what it reminds me of the most. But, um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then, um, almost closing out the show, we've got a few more segments. Uh, a Tale of Two Robots, Chapter Three, Foreign Invasion. What I want to know is what happened to chapters one and two. <laughs> This is, uh, directed by Hiroyuki Kit, uh, Kit, Kubo and he also worked on a uh, different Gundam series as well uh, and other projects too um, basically uh, take Japan in the 19th century where uh, foreigners were coming in and you've got this uh, insane foreigner um, who, who is, speaks in English who speaks in English if yeah. you watch this in Japanese you'll notice that this guy speaking uh, speaking perfect English with maybe well, a little bit of a actual, Japanese it is an actual American it is, a, it is an actual American oh wow playing the part well shoot okay. <laughs> well he's, uh, he's 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 raging he's rampaging through the town with a uh, kind of a steampunk-esque uh uh, robot that he's made and um it's it's its exterior is made of brick and it's covered in um i guess uh reeds and um he's just rampaging through uh uh, 19th century japan and these uh villagers in the town they fight back with a robot that they made their own and you've got five uh pilots inside controlling different parts of this uh of this uh I guess makeshift robot <laughs> that they 've created you shoving shoveling coal into its uh into its hearth and um piloting the arms and the legs and it is it this go toe to toe in the town rampaging through it um trying to to stop this uh this maniac foreigner from uh from, from wrecking the city, and they, they, they helped to accomplish that too. So, <laughs> Neo, what were your thoughts on this? Well, it's,
1: it's you know, th- this is taking like two of the favorite things of Japanese anime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Meiji time and the uh, Super Robot team. Because the Japanese, the, the Japanese robot is piloted by the stereotypical, oh uh, yeah, Japanese robot team. The hot blooded commander, the big guy who's just there for the muscle and stuff, the cutesy girl, the uh, genius Dirt little kid, kid, kid. yeah, the, the aloof genius, guy. and the aloof guy. <laughs> and it, it, it's just freaking hilarious. And the American slash foreigner is you know he is the typical even up until the end one of these days i'm gonna get you know i'll be back you know he is the typical mad scientist that's got it all together and it looks at the beginning that he's got us our heroes down but luckily they are able to you know in this in this guy's case he forgets to lock the door for all of his gunpowder and (laughs) cannonballs and they just drop all over around his 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 um his mecca and then uh because of that he takes a lot of damage and then they go into hand to hand combat and basically they destroy each other and the town that they're in so uh <laughs> yes. it, it's 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 not only um you know it, it it's not only kind of action packed and a little goofy but it's funny that you know they just it 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 it, it, it almost reminds me of pat labor to the extent of like yeah. 19th they saved, century Pat <laughs> Yeah. They saved the town, but yet there's all this damage because we see, like, when these robots fall, they, they fall into the river that's going through the town. It washes mm-hmm. out the bridge. Oh, man. Causes all the villagers to go, like, in the surrounding mountains and hills. And it's like, yeah, they beat this guy, but at what cost?
4: <laughs> so. <laughs> It, 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 um chris what were your thoughts on this
0: uh two things one this this illustrates the uh the limits of 19th century technology <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> because it's funny when they're like yeah let's go get this guy and but they're like both in opposite ends of the town and it takes them forever to meet at the river <laughs> yeah and after leaving a huge trail of destruction just to get there let alone to fight the guy
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: then i said to my, and then i was thinking to myself too if this segment were 10 minutes longer and you included Mugen, Jin, and Fu. It could be an episode of Samurai Champloo.
3: Oh,
2: wow!
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's almost like a prequel.
0: It's so crazy because, and also because of the air and the elements, it totally could have fit in that show.
4: Yeah, because yeah. it, it, it 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 has anachronistic elements, much like yeah. Samurai Champloo. So that would that would have made for a real wild episode of that show. <laughs> and then and, and all they would have to do is take those robots to go play baseball.
0: <laughs> Yeah, because this crazy American, the whole time I was thinking of the baseball episode. Yes. You know, from Champloo.
4: Oh no! <laughs>
1: the poor dog getting hit. <laughs> yeah. That is,
4: that is straight awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it, I love the title of this of the segment. It, it gives me a Leonard Part Six vibe. <laughs> Although it's not as bad as that movie was, but um, yeah, I, I, when I watch this, um, I get a little bit of feeling from that I got from watching Die Guard. Um, you, you know, you got the, uh, the, the ragtag crew piloting a robot. And in, in the early episodes of that show, they didn't know how to pilot it all that well. So th- they, they had a l- little bit of, uh, rampant destruction as well. But, um, I, I, the villain in this, he's straight oil can Harry. Um, you know, twisting his mustache and, and just raging destruction. And, and it's just funny to hear him speaking perfect English in contrast to the Japanese that everybody else is saying. Um, i I remember this being in uh, dubbed in English where everybody was uh, uh of course speaking english that um that they had a few more jokes that were in the uh, English dub for this but um I also remember that the portrayal of the japanese characters were, was also uh, overtly racist so <laughs> like how so <laughs> um it just they the way they 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 spoke you know it it just it was just a a, a real bad caricature You know how when we watch anime nowadays, where even the the Japanese characters are speaking perfect English, they're not, they're they're, they're not over Asian centrified, you know, they're they're just, you know, they're speaking English. In this, they make them sound Japanese, um, uh, to the point where it's almost like a comedic, um, a little too comedic of a, uh, a representation of of, of what a Japanese speaking English would sound like. So um, I know that it's caught flag since then, but it also was dubbed back in the eighties. So it's a little bit they can get away with this, I guess. Yeah,
0: it doesn't excuse it.
4: Yeah, I guess it doesn't.
0: Racism <laughs> is always racism.
4: Yeah, it is true. <laughs> but overall, this is a very fun segment. I I, I love it, and and finally seeing it in the Japanese for the first time, I appreciate it even more. So, um, that's it for that one. And then, um, we have Nightmare, which, where we mentioned, uh, Fantasia earlier in the, uh, in the, in the episode as a comparison to, uh, some of the things featured in the Robot Carnival. This definitely takes notes from Fantasia. Um, it's well, specifically uh, from, uh, Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah. The closing segment of Fantasia, uh, the, the closing major segment of Fantasia, Night on Bald Mountain, um, where, you know, at night, all these robots arise from, uh, from all all different things, they kind of are like zombies or rising from their graves or whatnot. As this this one uh, floating robot look kind of looks like a witch or something like that is flying around on on some kind of makeshift uh, air bike, uh, just 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 shooting inanimate objects and bringing them to life. And you have this 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 huge demon robot in the background um doing all sorts of wicked things with them and you have this drunk guy who's waking up from a bender <laughs> and he goes to a, he notices all this craziness going on while everybody else is sleeping and he he's trying to escape from being uh captured by the uh by by the flying robot but uh Neo what were your thoughts on this segment
1: uh this is you know once again very much different then the other ones, especially, it's interesting to have something like this after a kind of a whimsical, lighthearted one like mm-hmm. the previous one. And um, yeah, you can definitely see, uh, if you've seen Fantasia, you can definitely see the the influence of um, that in, in this. Just like you know, most all anime definitely has a lot of, you know, especially these earlier ones had a lot of influence from those early, uh, Disney films. So, um, or vice versa. Um, but, uh, you know, but de- definitely a, um, uh, definitely a, a good way to kind of end it up on, um, kind of a, a different note than what we've been going down for the last couple of, uh, shorts. So
4: absolutely. Chris, it
0: definitely from the very first shot, um, this, like you have this like sort of makeshift kind of haphazard looking robot Chernobog <laughs> with all the chaos being uh, brought into the city, and sort of the weirdness of how that flying robot keeps messing around with the drunk guy, mm-hmm. and keeps trying to like like I guess kill him or <laughs> like keeps just messing with him, like just won't leave the poor guy alone. He's just trying to get away on his little scooter, <laughs> and this guy just won't stop bothering him. Not at all. But yeah, it, it's definitely creepy.
4: I know that uh, the 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 human protagonist uh, he looked a lot like Ichabod Crane from uh, one of one of the Disney um, shorts or Disney uh, movies, though, the one about the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, way back in the, I guess the '50s when they did it. He looks a lot like that same portrayal of him, and and the animation style is is very Disney esque from yeah, the look of much it.
0: Like, uh, it has like an older kind of rougher look to it. Yes, deliberately it does. so.
4: And uh, uh, it's 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 very um uh, the the visuals in that are, are it's just I can't shake how much it looks like Nightmare on Bald uh, sorry Night on Bald Mountain uh from Fantasia it, it, and 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 it, it it's not I, it's not trying to hide that it takes its visual cues from that but uh, it ends up being a, a a a very enjoyable segment and and one that um puts a punctuation mark on the uh, on the movie at least for me
0: and one comment uh about this segment but also pretty much all the segments when you see. All of the destruction, the devastation, and all of the little bits of debris, you think to yourself, this was back in 87, all of that was done by hand. Yes. <laughs> no computers. You know, all these bits of rubble, all these bits of debris, flying glass, font, everything is all done hand by track. hand, and they just don't do that anymore with the exception of Redline.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fascinating when you look back and 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 watch vintage anime because a lot of those movies i'd say all of them are done are drawn by hand so you know you have a real deep appreciation for that and, and those who don't they just I, I don't know what to say about them but um are closing out the uh the movie you have the uh the the very short ending where you see the robot carnival trying to uh uh, to go over this little hill in the desert and it eventually conks out because it gets to the top of the hill and it's about to go over and then it just collapses <laughs> um, and, and then the O from the robot carnival sign rolls out into the desert further and then later on uh, during the credits you have uh, a moment where this desert traveler happens to find a little round orb and he takes it back to his family and it turns out to be one of those little ballerina robots that um from the robot carnival and uh as it's performing on the on his kitchen table where his family's looking at it it blows up <laughs> and you see the uh you see the end or just end show up at where the ho- uh in place of where the house was but um it, it it's it's just just pretty much staying in line with the with the theme the, the thematic feel of the uh intro of the movie but uh any thoughts on that or overall about the movie mm-hmm
1: um yeah it's it's just i mean the endings only a few minutes long and then you got the little you know at the end of the credits the whole thing with the family and you know it, it it gives you that kind of uh feeling that oh this might end well for once but no <laughs> as soon as it does the little pirouette in the air it just completely uh blows up everything so um you know it's it, it just and it ends it kind of ends the way it begins and it's just <laughs> you know it's it, it's funny because you really don't have too much um too much of a basis of what the robot carnival is you just know that it was going around it and just terrorizing everything and, and and it looked like it was gonna, about after it, uh fell apart it was going to give uh the joy that it was probably originally intended to do to this family but um and not so fast so uh but yeah good
4: good stuff <laughs> any 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 thoughts about this or in close about the about the uh about the movie chris
0: Well, definitely the ending of the robot carnival collapsing Mm -hmm. in pieces, all very well animated, I think is a little symbolic of the fact that the movie itself is ending.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of
0: sets you up for that. And uh, the idea that this thing that's been, you know, destroying so much of the, um, you know, the landscape itself after you, you presume maybe centuries of just, you know, wandering around and driving through flattening towns and cities that it had finally reached its point without man, where it can go no further, and it just completely collapses and breaks down and is buried by the sands of time. Mm-hmm. And overall, I know that we're on Sobros' nostalgia train here, but this is one of those cases where you can definitively say that they literally do not make movies like this anymore. No,
4: they don't they
0: anywhere. Don't. Not not in Japan where. You know, everything is based off of some pre-existing manga or a light novel <clears throat> or a game or here in America. You know, hell, even look back in the old days uh, when Disney did the original Fantasia, it was at first a, th- a bomb in the theaters. Yeah. You know? you know, people didn't understand it. They thought it was crazy. They thought it was, you know, stuff like uh, Nine of the Mountain was too dark. And, you know, it just did not do well at all. And then over subsequent viewings... You know, over the years of more screenings, yeah, it became more popular. And then obviously they made Fantasia 2000. Yeah. Which in well, itself is very different from the original.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and and I mean, it, it, it does, you know, and it, it's funny because you kind of get the same thing with Robot Carnival. Like at the time, it was, even though we don't see that stuff and that was more during that time, the 80s, you would have these more experimental things. and almost seems to an extent that this might have been a few years ahead of its time, even when it was released. Um, and, you know, because I, I feel now, and like you said, it, it's hard to say this because we're in the, the nostalgia train here, but <laughs> I, I, I will say that I think I have a better appreciation of Robot Carnival now than I did when I originally saw it, you know, years yeah. ago. Because I didn't I really just,
0: like it the first time I saw it, but that was, you know. I thought it was, was weird. I was here. like seventeen at the time and my amount of anime exposure had been very limited. So I go I have a much greater appreciation for it now. And looking at the movie as a whole, you can definitely tell that this came from you know the the golden period of japan's economic bubble when they could throw away money for yeah. anything yeah yeah and pay for all of these exquisitely animated projects that we just don't see anymore
4: yeah you're right it it it's it, it's a hallmark from that era it, 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 and 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 it just as you said chris it, i honestly don't think we'll see movies like this at least not for a long time off
0: <laughs> you know and it's not something you can get i mean You know, it was never released on DVD here, Mm -hmm. and it was a very limited DVD release in Japan. If this thing were properly restored, I would love to see how this (sighs) looks on Blu-ray.
1: I would, too.
4: It it
0: would look
1: incredible. I think it it might rival Akira on Blu-ray. Woo! Yeah, Possibly.
0: I, I mean, you look at some segments like uh, Presence or yeah. Nightmare or even Starlight Angel would probably look really nice on Blu-ray. Oh,
4: man. Yeah. I certainly hope it gets a revival in Japan uh, when it, when it not comes likely. to
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget, first, you know, as, as much forgotten anime as there is over here, there's also a lot of forgotten anime oh, over there.
4: Yeah. yeah. There's tons over there. That is very true. There's a lot of
0: anime in Japan that uh, has never even been released on dvd and never oh, will be, let alone blu-ray
4: yeah I, when you when you think about it yeah there's a lot of shows that probably came and went that just never got that transition to dvd so they're just sitting in a vault somewhere probably just degrading
0: if if they're even sitting in a vault and you know haven't just been tossed out to the trash damn yeah, yeah that's- you
1: you got to remember i mean the 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 70s and early 80s before uh, you know the, the home video market. and stuff got really big, mm-hmm. you know they would just show this stuff and that's it. I mean, because you know they they had those you know they had those time periods and stuff, and because you, know, you even think of pro- there's probably a lot of you know just in the U.S. there's probably lots of TV shows mm-hmm. that have come and gone during that period that aren't available on DVD or Blu-ray I mean so it's it's probably the same thing there
4: a similar situation happened in um, England for years they'd produce TV shows and just re-record over uh, the Masters For those TV shows, yeah, and um, there's
0: there's something like nearly 200 episodes of Doctor Who that no longer exist except as still images and the audio reels. That's nuts. (laughs) And back then, at the time, it was just disposable entertainment for kids. You know, there was no economic value in it whatsoever. I mean, this is the early 60s we're talking about.
4: There was no home video market, so they weren't they weren't that forward thinking at the time. But um, hopefully, uh, you know, sometime in the future, someone will realize how, how how much of a visual treasure this movie is, and 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 do something to restore it. I, I, and I, I also also consider Memories as kind of a spiritual successor to Robot Carnival if you've never seen Memories it's also out there as well yeah go, go
0: watch that also yeah. not available in America but it's out there through various uh, methods
4: yes indeed and um, you, if, if you're, if you're, if you're um, looking hard enough you'll find it <laughs> you really don't have to be able to look that hard for it yeah very true <laughs> <laughs> really you don't but overall, Robot Carnival is, is definitely something that, uh, I, I do look at. Um, I, I tried, I, look at it through nostalgia glasses, but I can also look at it now and have a deeper appreciation for it now because, um, I didn't like every segment of Robot Carnival when I saw it as a young, as a young man. But now I appreciate the entire thing, um, from start to finish. Uh, it being an anthology, uh, it, it, you can, you can, you can dissect it if you want. But for the most part, it's amazing to me how each one of these segments, uh, transitions to the next and how they all come together. Um, to put, to just tell an awesome story, and uh, I I dig it completely. Uh, is the station coming up for this uh, nostalgia train so we can get off of it? Yeah, we're oh. about to go. Neo, any any other thoughts before we close this out?
1: Uh, it's the one time that uh, Soul Bros nostalgia is actually correct. So Ooh, there you boy. go. Yes.
4: <laughs> I will agree I will agree <laughs> with that in this instance. Well, on that note, we'll go ahead and um we'll go ahead and step off the train, and we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment.
2: Yes, uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say, "You're lying, George." Oh, ha uh, hey, you get your damn
3: hands off her. If you really think I ought to swear?
2: Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear.
1: I thought they smelled bad on the
2: outside. On the subject of Cowboy Bebop.
1: So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed. All right,
2: uh, face boobs. Face boobs.
3: <laughs> we I have about to say that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs.
0: Thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. <laughs> oh,
3: I can see how you would have enjoyed that.
0: Hey. It's just, are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her <laughs> oh, legs are nice, too.
3: No, it's just that, you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> I think uh, that
3: conversation. Seriously, no, I, I'm, dumped, do, I'm uh, uh, got got that, that argument.
2: Something. Congratulations, you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry.
3: Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is...
0: Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com
2: The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again Brandon was just a dork who wanted to shoot lightning out of his hands Like Gundam Ryu from Street Fighter <laughs> So I waved my magic wand and brought this lightning bolt legend out to Hollywood Where the nerd always gets the girl let's
3: Turn the drums up Turn my vocals up too i hear myself a little more Yeah, yeah, yeah More, 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 more Moto moto, 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 nice, 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 moto, moto still, moto, moto still, moto still, yeah, 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 nice, 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 good. Uh-huh. Aha. You wet it up a little bit for me.
0: Alright everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. We're going to be winding up this episode. We talked to Brent Newhall from Otaku No Video about that series Which Shall Not Be Named. <laughs> Had a pretty good conversation about the uh, video he produced about the series. Then we hopped on to Soul Bros Nostalgia Train to discuss Ooh. the anime anthology Robot Carnival. Come and ride that train. <laughs> yep. The creepy train. So now we're going to wrap things up with your voicemails and mailbag questions. You can drop us a voicemail at 305-792-8324 or 305 SWATFAG. Oh man. <laughs> and our voicemail today comes from Xavier.
4: I was wondering and notice that y'all never viewed Rook of 7, or if y'all ever going to view it in the future. If so, if, if not what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Y'all keep up the good work.
0: All right, so Eureka 7, uh, we have not reviewed it, and probably at some point in the future we will, especially now that there's going to be a sequel TV show starting up next month in Japan. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I enjoyed the TV show, and I abhorred the movie, and I have no understanding why in a recent thread on Mecca Talk you had multiple people expressing that they liked the movie more than the tv show what the heck is wrong with you people wow seriously this, to me, <laughs> yes this makes to me even less sense in people who say that they liked the Nedesco movie more than the tv show oh mm. because, well, why Peter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's uh i don't know i i think it's just to be contrarian now just 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 for that so i don't know Awesome. But I look forward to doing the, the show one of these days. I have to rewatch it, though. I haven't seen it in a while.
0: Same here. Next up, we're going to be switching over to the regular mailbag questions, which you can drop for us in the Mecha Talk mailbag submission thread on mechatalk.net. Mm-hmm. Our first question comes from Seraphic, who says Is Sobro getting a Vita so he can play that part of <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate <laughs> NBC? Combo's on the go. Also, oh, Where's my enemy?
4: Where is his enemy indeed? Everywhere. <laughs> to answer this question, no, I'm not getting the Vita anytime soon. I actually had a chance to play uh, UMBC3 on the Vita, and my fingers are too big for that console. It, I would say this. The picture looks gorgeous, and the games on it, whether it be Uncharted or Ultimate Marvel, they look great. Um, that's the best-looking handheld I've ever seen. And uh, I, I'm sure it's got big things coming in the future. But, yeah, Ult- Ultimate Marvel, I, I, I can't do combos on, on that thing. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: All right, next we have a question from Matthew Graubadger, who says, Dear Gundam, niche question. This Christmas break, I've been working through some of the series I've been introduced to by your protracted ramblings, the crown jewel being Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Thanks Mm -hmm. again for that stupidly named gem. Everything was going grand until the ominous reintroduction of Andrew Fork and his evil, chilly, deft touch of Amro ribbons. (laughs) because of your plot synopsis I found myself unable to continue watching because of my dread for the assassination of one of the coolest and most fully realized characters I've ever seen animated I knew it was coming all along it's been a 70 episode shuffle to the grave can't watch it anymore switch to Escaflowne thanks for that too you're honestly my only source on these things that doesn't make me wretch or trawl through internet slurry pit equivalents wow My question is, have you ever invested yourself enough emotionally in a 2D drawing that you've been delayed in finishing a series by their soul-crushingly stupid and undeserved death? Or even spoilers that leave you with a multi-episode funeral procession? What series are that good to make you feel? Everyone, please pause the podcast and set your stereos to "Time to Say Goodbye," Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman, nineteen ninety-six. It's okay; the tears are hidden by the flickering of the fireplace and the fumes from the brandy glass. Great men cry too. Oh, <laughs>
4: well-written. well written, well well written, Matthew. God dang it! Um, when it comes to what uh, uh, fictional characters dying, um, I- I've never. I I can't say I've I've been put off on finishing a show because of it no I take that back Victory Gundam I had to stop I had to stop because when when Uso's mother's mother died I I had to take a break I, I stopped watching that show for like a week and a half Cause I was I, I was pounding it. I was just running through that show, and then when I got to that point, I just I couldn't take any more death. I, I had to I had to switch to something else. Um, I, I, there's no one character that stopped me from watching that show. It was just the whole experience, and then eventually I went back and, and manned up and watched the rest of it. But yeah, um, it, it was tough. Other than that, um, uh, uh, just nah. That that that's 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 my example. All right, Neil.
1: Yeah, I'd probably have to say the same thing because there is that period through uh, *Victory Gundam* where it's just it's a death death an episode, death and especially when you yeah when you got the Strike Girls and it's like, and you know it's just a typical character focus episode, and you know all of a sudden you're seeing somebody that was always kind of in the background now you're kind of learning more about it, and it's just like, oh they're dead, and they're just, and not only do they die in this in this show but they die in such gruesome ways i mean tamino is a master of just making the 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 realization of just very gruesome and very graphic deaths and then in, in the same way um, you know, being understated when it came to Usos' mom, where you know you really don't see much—just you know a helmet with some blood dripping up, and oh, yeah. then you see uh, you know, a bunch of little kids sitting there looking at it and all crying. So yeah, I, I'd have to agree with Soldier I, I didn't, on it. I didn't—it didn't take me that long to get back to it, but I think I took like a day or two off. I was like, you know what, I need something that's just gonna be <laughs> a little bit more because it was so friggin' depressing.
4: Yeah, her head flew through the air like a football through a. A field goal, and I had to go to halftime. <laughs> another, another one,
1: that, another one that that had the death and the depression thing that got me to was Blue Gender. Oh, wow. there, there, there's also a part during that where that is just such a freaking depressing, um, a depressing show. And and it's it, there wasn't any like specific character death, but it was just the the, oh, the the tone of you know the hopelessness and the death and the destruction and oh my god, it's like. Uh. <laughs> You know it, it makes it tough, but you know usually all you need is like a day or two to watch something happy and, and, and you'll be fine. so but that's about it for me.
0: I would have to say that, um, like Matthew, I had some dread for Galactic Heroes. I didn't stop watching it, but uh, the thing is I originally. Started watching the show in 2003 Mm -hmm. when only about 40-something episodes had been fan-sub and they were horrible VHS rips, and I blew through those. But unfortunately, I got exposed very early on to the death of Yang Wenli, to that spoiler, and even to which episode it was in. Oh, wow. So, Which is 82. So when I started watching um, the show a few years ago doing my second run of Rewatching what I'd seen before and finishing the whole thing, the closer I got to episode eighty-two, mm-hmm. the more I started to dread it. Yeah. And then finally, when I started watching episode eighty-two, it's like, oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> here and you and you know, you know, I'm talking about Neo. That situation they find themselves in. It's like, yeah. God, I hope he'll escape, but I know that he won't.
1: Because <laughs> I mean, the the thing about with with Yang is you develop so much of an attachment with him, and he's in so many near near death situations and things where even he admits to himself, wow, I can't believe we got out of this. And it when when you finally do see him get taken out, it's 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 not only the way that it happens, you know, just dying alone in a hallway with a leg wound, just the fact of it was such an avoidable situation. Yeah. And it you know, it was just one of these things where for all for as good as he was when it came to things and being strategic and being able to think ahead, he didn't think ahead enough in this one. And he put him in a situation he put himself in a situation that just was not good. He got randomed so. out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but he, he was—it was just, it, you know, it was just almost kind of a comedy of errors that you would think that they would never do. Oh wow! So yeah, it, but yeah, it's 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 pretty bad, and I think mainly because there is such an attachment that you, to get with the character because he he's just such a great character, so.
0: All right, our next question also comes from Matthew once again. Mm-hmm. It says, dear gun, Dam, as a young man who generally enjoyed the whiny teen drama masquerading the robot show that was Gundam Seed Destiny, would you recommend watching the grizzled, squinting Gundam Altered Universe sequel without a name to a newer generation of fans who didn't see it as the train wreck unfolded and its promise failed? Mm. I've heard a lot about its flaws now, but Seed was my first Gundam and indeed robot cartoon. I owe it a lot more than you august, decrepit old men. <laughs> Is it the case that you'd advise it only to have a true appreciation of abject failure like M.D. Geist, or despite its mountain of flaws, there's something recognizable there for fans of the first, like Gundam Double Zeta, or just to earn my BA in Gundam by taking the notorious module of flashback abuse, pandering, and stupid death cries? (laughs) never thought to ask till you outlawed it but a 50 episode series is a bigger commitment than the deplorable anime toilet crowd i need the advice of those who have stared into the abyss before me sorry matt what a timely question <laughs> yes it <indeed>. is. <laughs> <laughs> and also well written um i'd say uh watch it to see for yourself how, how bad it is or maybe in your eyes how not bad it is
4: yeah. I, I encourage everybody to, to run through every gundam series um i destiny may not be the best one out of all of them it's a two-star show for me but um it's still worth watching to see what not to do in a gundam series <laughs> so and, and, i i would always say
0: as bad as something is um it's always better to form your own opinion, own opinion. Mm-hmm. by watching something rather than just absorbing the opinion of someone else very yeah. true So despite how painful it might be, uh, yes, you should sit down and watch uh, that 50-episode train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) But make sure you also watch Final Plus, because it's a little less train wreck-y. Yes.
1: I agree.
0: All right. Next, we have K173, who says, um, Happy New Year, because he he posted this back in January. (laughs) He says, I have only one semi-serious Kennyland question. What cheesy elements of 70s and 80s mecha anime you like to see make a comeback in today's real robot anime shows? Frankly, I'd like to see a return of lead characters sporting wickedly large froze a la Oji Amuro and Cosmo Yuki. Hell yes. And this is already being done, then ignore what I said. Congrats on starting Gundam Year 5 and
4: looking forward to episode 100. Oh yeah, those blowout comb afros need to come back.
0: I would like to see, I want to see giant um, 80s hair. And Mohawks and uh, apocalyptic apocalyptic uh, style
4: dressing. Dude, I want to see hot-blooded uh, hot-blooded pilots with neckerchiefs come back. That's what's up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I'd have to agree with the uh, the the, the freaking uh, the the road warrior look. It, <laughs> so it, we need it, more
0: road warrior look.
1: It, it is. I, I want to see people with Mohawks and you know uh, tire. Tires wrapped around their, their chests and stuff, and you know, tires as bras for women and stuff like that. And what's up? Yeah. What's up? And, and, big, and big nasty punk guys with mohawks with eye makeup. So, yeah, that's the, that, that, that's the good stuff there.
4: What, what happened to the jumpsuit and the spiky um, Koji Kabuto hairstyle, man? We need to end, them, end, them, end those chops. Come on now. Come on now. They, they, they need to bring that all back. The, the 70s had such style with the super robots, man. To put that in a real robot show, I'd lose my shit. <laughs> there you go
0: next we have a question from a uh, new poster mystery 101 v2 oh who says which universe would you rather live in the growing lion universe or the code Geass universe Ooh. uh i would have to say code Geass is probably a lot safer yeah <laughs> unless unless um you know you, li- you live in narita and you end up like shirley's dad yeah, yeah. um <laughs> lots of hot busty girls everywhere mm-hmm but then you also have long noodle, long noodle legs. Yeah, I guess that'd be okay because everyone else would.
4: Yeah, everybody's. So yeah,
0: to... uh, all hail Britannia. Damn.
4: Yeah, I mean, the life expectancy in the Gurren Lagan universe is a lot shorter.
0: <laughs> Plus, you know, the whole like living underground.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. I I would just like to be far from Lelouch in the Cold Gears universe, in a a country that wasn't at war with Britannia or the Britannia's rule, which were very few, but they they did exist. Or more
0: importantly, not just far from Lelouch, but far from Flea.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, no flay is being fired out everywhere. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, that,
4: that would work. <laughs> just some no-name town that nobody gives a shit about. That's where I would
0: like to live, but but that is full of hot busty girls.
4: There you go. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree because yeah, they a, a, as as cool as the Girl Lagon universe looked like, it you know just the normal day daily life that we saw was pretty pathetic and pretty horrible. So. Um, yeah.
0: Next we have Mechtun GM who says, "If you guys could, would you make a riff track to an anime or mecha movie? And if so, what movies?" Ooh. Ooh. I would love to at some point, even though this would be a lot of logistics and a hell of a lot of time. I would love to do a, a commentary
4: for for Daryl. Yeah, I would. I would love to do a commentary for Daryl and uh, a riff tracks on MD guys. Even though we had to sit through it again, we would rip that shit up. <laughs>
0: Lots of booze required for that. Oh it, yes,
4: indeed.
1: And, and the only requirement is to speak like Geist.
4: <laughs> you'd be you'd be doing that like Robert Downey Jr. did the voice of uh, <laughs> his character in *Tropic Thunder*. You'd be doing MD yeah. Geist throughout the whole commentary. The whole,
1: the whole time. <laughs> I always stay in character. What you talking about?
4: <laughs> That's awesome. And then *Macross 2* is Dennis. Boy, we could. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we make a fortune. <laughs> we, we, would,
1: we would never get past the first ten minutes of that movie. Oh, my God. Uh,
4: We'd just deal. be cracking up.
1: <laughs> but wait a second. Let's rewind this so we can see. Wait, look at that. Um, Actually, there's a scene that I'd like to do. Not necessarily a show, but the whole um, Co's uh, gay adventure with uh, Kelly in uh, Stardust Memories when they fix up uh, his Kelly's little uh, mobile armor. Mm-hmm. And with that, all that really weird music and stuff, yeah, I I think that needs to be addressed. Because that was like, where the hell did this come from?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Where indeed. All right. uh, Next we have a question from White Wolf. Mm -hmm. who says, hi, I have recently become a fan of Gundam and I am now hooked on the podcast. Everyone that I have listened to made me laugh in some way. And I have three questions for you guys. All right. One. This one has to do with your jokes about Hatsune Miku becoming the modern-day Sharon, Apple, or Skynet. Say it does happen, and she creates giant tomato mechas with her face on them, of course, and the only thing that can destroy them are Gundams. What Gundams would you guys choose to take them down? P.S. It can be from UC or Alton Universe. Turn a Moonlight Butterfly. Uh
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So does...
1: Damn it, Chris, you beat me.
0: <laughs> That's why I said it so fast. Turn it like Butterfly. Yeah, When's the, the match?
1: One. Yeah, it's the only one. Yeah, it's the game over.
0: Next Coliseum match. <laughs> it's, God dang
1: oh, it. It's true. He's true, though. Win like Butterfly. <laughs> who, win, who can win beat it? it?
0: Wins match? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that or uh, Double O-Riser and just take Hatsune Miko to to G in Naked Space and convince Na- her that what she's doing is wrong and then Good kill role. her. Good Watch, he's confused. <laughs> it's confused.
4: I, I guess I would go with the. Um, I, I guess I go with the. Even though I would rather have the freedom, I'd go with the strike freedom because it's more powerful. And um, I would, I would pilot that one since uh, it's not as powerful as the turn, the moonlight butterfly. But you, you, you'd, you'd press the press to win button, the spam button, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the one combo, <laughs> the, the bullet hell button. <laughs> <laughs> bullet slash funnel hell button i like to call the radiant silver gun button <laughs> oh man that, that's what i would do all right number two this one's for
0: Sobro. if you could only play one capcom fighter for the rest of your life what would it be
4: undoubtedly capcom versus s 2 that's the greatest fighting game of all time you, you didn't you didn't think i would answer that fast oh, I, I did not think so. <laughs> you've been cheating no, not at all. Not at all. Um, it, it, I've been asked that question before, so um, at Capcom versus SK and 2, most definitely.
0: All right. Uh, number three. How would you guys react to Michael Bay making a live-action Gundam movie?
4: I was straight-up rich. <laughs> I, would,
0: I, would, uh, I would help finance it.
4: Oh, no. I,
0: I would watch it with great anticipation to see uh, what the hell would be in it. <laughs> Anyway, I'll I, told,
1: leave I told you, man. The admiral is General Revel, You know, maybe uh, uh, one of those. Wh- wh- who's a, who's a hot British actor right now that could be Bright Noah? Because Bright was, was supposed to be British, right? So it's like uh, Orlando Bloom.
4: Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch all day, all yeah.
4: day. Sherlock? Are you kidding me?
1: Matthew man. McConaughey, a slugger law. Nice. You know? <laughs> all right,
0: let's let's move on from from your. your Michael Bay, casting fantasy.
4: Neil, I hope you are part of the production. That's the only way it's going to get made right. Oh,
0: <laughs> All <laughs> and right. <the> uh, <laughs> our, our last questions come from Aldeus, who says, Hi, long-time listener, first-time writer. Mm-hmm. Number one, with the anniversary projects for Wing and Seed happening, do you think we'll see something for X, even if it's just a manga release or re released slash run in Dengeki hobby or something? Um, it's possible we could have some kind of a... Uh, a uh, X anniversary manga in what 2016 to mark the 20th anniversary? Well, they, yeah, they, I mean, X was
1: a couple years ago, they had the re release of, of the show, I think on what DVD, and there's, yeah. there's kind of a renewed interest in it. They had so that,
0: uh, Under the Moonlight, and it's yeah, a lot of games, and now it's a regular staple of the game. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they, maybe yeah. they did some kind of. They did, because uh, now with Wing, they have the currently running Glory of the Losers manga. that is incorporating stuff from the side stories and from Episode Zero and Endless Waltz. So maybe, maybe Hope Springs Eternal and we'll see some kind of um, Gundam X retelling that might even cover what originally uh, was supposed to be in those extra ten episodes that we never got. Yeah. That would be awesome. Fingers crossed for that. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, He's got a question here our preferences slash opinions on the animated Gundam series versus their novelized forms he says that he leans towards the novels in most cases and uh, he's reading Gundam double O enjoying the characters and whatnot and um, says I proudly own first one translations of awakening escalation and confrontation.
4: Ooh. Okay. And
0: talks about how the Zaku is indeed referred to as the Zach. <laughs> so I have to say, um, I don't really have much of an answer for this because aside from Seed and Double O, we haven't gotten much of yeah. the novels. And even with Seed, we only got the first three out of five.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I did like some of the rewriting of how they did it. Like um, like the whole thing with Nico's death was a little bit different. Um, you know, him actually trying to save Atherin, So, But yeah, yeah I, I can't really go any further than what you stated there, so...
4: I mean, I can't, I can't add much to the conversation in this. I mean, I've read, I own uh, Awakening, Escalation, and Confrontation, uh, and Confrontation the, the second release of it, and um, I know Chris is not too crazy about the writing of that book, but
0: <laughs> no, I mean, there, there are good elements in those stories, but yeah. the actual prose itself is, is kind of weak. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the fault of Tamino as a writer or as the fault of the, the translation.
4: Yeah, but uh, I do, I do enjoy the depictions of the characters in that book. I, I honestly do, and um, I, that's the only thing i can i can i can relate um when it comes to this question so
0: yeah he says following up the above if given the chance to see it translated to english officially by whatever publishing company you pick what gunner related novel would you want to read and why Ooh. i personally would like to check out uh, gaia gear because it was yeah. written so long ago and it's uh, a diff a vision of a far different future you see than what we actually have gotten yeah mm-hmm. so I'm curious to see how that story would actually be and of course you know it's Tamino so I got yeah. curious.
1: And, and 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 isn't there a whole thing with um that sh- cuz he is actually a Shar clone in that one that um doesn't he have kind of uh uh kind of a um a crisis thing you know like kind of an identity crisis almost yeah, a little There bit? is
0: a a memory clone of Char in Gaia. Yeah.
1: So that would be interesting to see what that's all about too. You know.
4: I know for me, uh, Bill Torch's Children is uh, definitely up there. Uh, the Unicorn Light novels. And uh, um, there was one other, I can't think of it now. Damn it. <laughs> Let me guess Hathaway's Flash or Sentinel? Uh, no, no. Hathaway's Flash, I have an interest in because I like to see, because uh, Hathaway, I guess, it ends up getting executed <laughs> towards the end. So um, I, I'd like to see the build up to that. Um,
1: does, doesn't Bright give the order? Yeah, Bright, well, Bright has to sign the big... it.
0: Keep in mm-hmm. mind about Hathaway's Flash, people never remember. Mm-hmm. Hathaway's Flash is the sequel to Bel Children, yeah. which is very different from the Shards Counterattack movie because in it's that divergent. novel, yeah. uh, Hathaway was the one who killed Quest. Right. Oh. And he's hailed as a hero. Oh, wow. Because in Bel Children, there is no Chan because her role is filled by Bel as Amaro Squeeze. Holy so shit. it's a very different depiction from what we saw in uh in this movie and frankly i wish we'd gotten into the movie instead of him just being some punk bitch and a complete disappointment to uh the family name
4: (laughs) no doubt um i remember what i was gonna say on a side note i would love to read the uh will books i would love to read those even though they're not gundam related they are written by tomino and i would love to see what they're all about
0: thanks for answering the question incorrectly oh well you're welcome (laughs) And in closing, he says, thank you for reading my questions and congratulations pre or related. Whenever the mailbag reaches this on the 100th episode, Sieg Zion. <laughs> he was close. <laughs> close. close. Well, Too thank long. you very much. We got something <laughs> special planned for you all. Oh man. That's all I'll say. So that's going to wrap up the mailbag. Please drop us some more questions. And uh, as a PSA, please drop some questions uh, for the voicemails for chaos theater and Laplace's box. They're, they're feeling very ignored.
4: Yeah, absolutely. We know
0: you all like Gundam, but it's a little disheartening whenever I get an email of a, of a new Google Voice message, and I go to check it, and the first thing I hear is, this is for Gundam, Gundam, Gundam,
4: <laughs> or someone who didn't even mean to call us.
0: Yes, we got a we had a mess. We got this is hilarious. We got a wrong question. I mean, a wrong number uh, from someone who wanted to know about uh, you know a car in Fort Lauderdale and had <laughs> wrong area code. So I guess he did not listen to the, uh, the introduction in the voicemail where it says, you've reached the MHQ podcast number. Please select which podcast you're sending a message for and make it short. Because he's asking about Sandra and, and, and I think her Jaguar. Oh, boy. Like, well, buddy, <laughs> this ain't Sandra and I ain't got no Jaguar. That's hilarious.
1: I didn't, know, I didn't
4: know about that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I
0: forwarded it to you. Oh, oh my God. Anyway,
4: yes. so...
0: Gentlemen, uh, any, any final comments before we uh, kick
4: off? Um, I, I know, um, I, I, aside from what I'm, I'm normally going to say, uh, no, no additional comments at the moment.
0: All right, then I'll kick it to you for a second, uh, Sobro, to tell people what kind of links they should check out.
4: We'll definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens, mahq.net. That's the Mecha and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A Jack of All Trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal Bear South, Pedro Cortez. And just um, a few quick shout-outs. I, I definitely want to shout-out to uh, Brent Newhall, who joined us um, back in the first segment. Um, you put yourself out there, and uh, you make yourself uh, open to uh, being criticized and whatnot, and I commend you for coming onto our show. Uh, hopefully, we didn't dogpile on you too much. <laughs> but definitely peep, uh, uh, peep his website, otakunovideo.net, and find him on YouTube at uh, um, youtube.com slash podcast for the otaku no video uh, uh, podcast that he uh, produces. Um, also, I want to uh, give a shout out um, uh, to the AkariCast, Cast, a podcast that I uh, just showed up on. Um, uh, I recorded with them yesterday in their fourth, ep- the tenth episode for season four. We talked about the fighting game community and some, uh, some other news events that went on. And um, uh, I want to thank Kaus and 16 Bit Jeff for having me on. Um, you can find their podcast at uh, Reviewtopia.net slash content slash And you also can find them on iTunes if you just type in uh, AkariCast. Definitely check them out. And that's it. All right, so we'll
0: catch you next time for episode 99 of Gundam at MAHQ.
3: Am I real
2: late? It's like that. j Fred's making it happen. My man Khan's making
4: it happen. Come At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station. And MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. Thank you.